With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go ahead. Tell me Tell me how the cow ate the cabbage. Talk Recorded live. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724-4477-444. Call ID 90337. Hey, what's going on? What's going on there? <clears throat> yeah. It's Monday, May the 1st, 2017, and it's Oaksbusters Call. Into the uh, chat, we got... We got uh, Aardvark, Clone 99, Dire Defender, Keila Pagante, Mahatma Coat, Me Chase 05, Nino 210, Not So Freemason, Richard Benedict 73, Girl, The Nova Scotian, in New York City, New York. Yeah, welcome to the live recording. It's usually Monday night. I missed the last couple of Monday nights. Kind of taking a break. It's having a little trouble uh, going to bed on time and getting to sleep. So I have, have that issue sometimes with periodic insomnia. Uh, in regards to that, uh, some good pointers, or if you have the same thing going on, is um, something I found out about th- through some uh, YouTuber. I was watching his channel, uh, this guy, uh, Ken Wheeler. He, his uh, I can't even pronounce his screen name. It's something to do with what is the photography. Th- I can't even say it, so I'm not even going to attempt it. But anyway, yeah, he recommended the, um, it's like black cherry i guess you can pick it up at the health food store or what have you the concentrated cherry juice it's uh, it's, it's got some uh the uh stuff that helps you sleep in there and also uh john actually recommended something that's really good too is that lick is the melatonin that you can take and that really helps but um yeah it's uh Another thing, too, and I picked this up somewhere, and it's it's kind of... I, I'm not really into meditation, but I, I, I think that there's some benefits to um, a way to kind of uh, kind of shut your thoughts off. I don't know what, how, what, how, how you, what causes you not to be able to sleep. But anyway, like, um, I will kind of make myself kind of free associate and kind of just think of 
unrelated words or terms and kind of repeat them in succession, you know, to myself. It's kind of like counting sheep, and that also works. But anyway, yeah, if anybody's having that issue. But anyway, yeah. Uh, well, what is going on in the big bad world and all that and so on? Uh, well, you pick up stuff here and there on YouTube. If you're like me, you don't watch tell you don't watch the tube. But um, yeah, so we got this ongoing a re recalibration or reworking of of what it what is considered normal and normalcy. And yeah, I'm gonna get into a bit of that on the call tonight. Uh, just some just some stuff I was mulling over looking at some of the stuff that's out there. Um but first I want to um yeah I want to thank uh donors who sent financial uh donations financial donations yeah um yeah Kelly sent a donation David sent a donation Peter Carey sent a donation that much appreciated and uh, anybody listening uh if you want to support the operation feel free to do so but if not you're hitting on hard times and you're broke or whatever or you just say uh you know hey go fly a kite chris i don't know whatever i don't it's fine whatever uh it's not mandatory by any means so there's that uh here is a this is it's a sampling of oh the book Future Shock by Alvin Toffler. John sent this to me a little earlier. Uh, and I'll read it. It goes uh No previous generation history has so many fictional characters flung at it. Commenting on the mass media historian Marshall Fishwick, Riley, he Riley, Riley declares, uh, quote, we may not even get used to superhero Captain Nice and Mr. Terrific before they fly out of our television screens forever, unquote. Uh, these vicarious people both live and fictional, both live and fictional, excuse me, play a significant role in our lives, providing models for behavior, acting out for us various roles and situations from which we draw conclusions about our own lives. We deduce lessons from their activities consciously or not. We learn from their triumphs and tribulations. They make it possible for us to, quote-unquote, try on various roles or lifestyles without suffering the consequences that might attend such experiments in real life. The accelerated flow-through of vicarious people cannot but contribute to the instability of personality patterns among many real people who have difficulty in finding a suitable lifestyle. These vicarious people, however are not independent of one another. They perform their roles in a vast, complex, organized public drama, quote-unquote, which is, in the words of sociologist Oren Clapp, author of a fascinating book called Symbolic Leaders, largely a product of the new communications technology. This public drama in which celebrities upstage and replace celebrities at an accelerating pace has the effect, according to Clapp, 
of making leadership, quote, more unstable than it would be otherwise. Uh, Contratemps, upsets, follies, contests, scandals make a feast of entertainment for a spinning political roulette wheel. Facts come and go at a dizzying pace. A country like the United States has an open public drama in which new faces appear daily. There's always a contest to steal the show, and almost anything can happen, and often does, unquote. Uh, What we are observing, says Clapp, is a, quote, rapid turnover of symbolic leaders, unquote. This can be extended, however, into a far more powerful statement. What is happening is... What is happening is not merely a turnover of real people or even fictional characters, but a more rapid turnover of the images and image structures structures in our brains. Our relationships with these images of reality upon which we base our behavior are growing, on average, more and more transient. The entire knowledge system in society is undergoing violent upheaval. The very concepts and codes in terms of which we think are turning over at a furious and accelerating pace. We are increasing the rate at which we must form and forget our images of reality. Uh, Yeah, thanks, John, for sending that. That's a good one. And it also happens to to correspond to what I was going to go into, what I was alluding to earlier. And, uh, of course, I think most people are listening and probably seeing the – there's that – Netflix series that's that's is Bill Nye's uh, deal where he's he's going to tell you all about science and what what science is and what it means and you know how it, and that is our uh, modern it's a substitute for religion and it's what it is and I know like people tuning in this I know I get I know these people that will I guess they run across the podcast by way of iTunes. And I'm pretty sure the inclination of these particular individuals that will leave bad reviews on this uh, podcast, which is which is fine. I mean, that's your thought and opinion. But I I think that probably typically, because this is typifies the behavior of uh, these particular individuals that I engage with, is that uh, they regard themselves as uh, educated, smart, up on the latest things, and they consider themselves critical thinkers and skeptics, but they have a completely different idea of what that means, and usually, typically, what it means is that anything that comes out of establishment uh, channels is about as close to empirical fact and and truth as there can ever be hoped for. And anybody who actually wants to uh, challenge that or go against it or say something that's counter that is by default an idiot, a moron. Uh, so, I mean, I, I've gotten called that i don't know how many times you're a, you're an absolute idiot what is wrong with you you know this is a, a couple of reviews not that i'm going to dwell on that i don't care but uh the ravings of a lunatic you are out of your mind and i think i think that's that is primarily coming from these individuals that uh in the description of the 
podcast is uh, references to critical thinking and all that. And they're coming into it probably with the idea that, oh, this guy debunks conspiracy theories. Because I, I, I think that's what's happening where it can – if you go read it on iTunes, the description of the Hoaxbusters call, what it's about – and the subtitle is conspiracy or theory question mark then i think if you're kind of uh going into like hey maybe i'll give this a listen you can see how maybe the way that the description is worded and stuff how somebody who's just kind of like maybe glazing over it can get the impression that yeah that's what this is about this is this is because because critical thinking is 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 been co-opted in this so-called skeptic community to mean that anything that comes out of establishment sources is on its face uh fact based and uh and unworthy of any challengers you know no no critical thought toward that because that is empirically based science and reality based worldview and that is anybody who denies that is just uh, by default an absolute idiot but um and then what you'll have too is with these particular individuals that classify themselves as skeptics and uh, it also kind of ties into this i guess it's a growing movement of people who identify themselves as atheists so I, I, it was last year I did a call to the Atheist Experience uh, call-in show. It's uh, streamed online. I think it used to be a cable access sh- television show in Austin. But anyway, I had a, had a bit of a dialogue back and forth with the host of that uh, program. And then I made a subsequent video because the, cause the gentleman hung up on me and kind of like... Uh, formulating what I was going to go into uh, because I had well the, anyway it doesn't it doesn't matter I don't, I don't I don't you know I don't care whatever he hung up on me but why I'm going into that is like okay so recently there was another some individual took that snippet where I called in and posted that on his YouTube. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and I ran across that. And I was like, okay, so here it is, and this individual is one of these skeptics, right? You know, he's, I guess he regards himself as an atheist, a skeptic. And so he posts the video to his channel, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put a link to that video where I respond to this, you know, because I got hung up on, and, you know, I, I, I finished out my thought, and I illustrated it with some. Uh, articles, different stuff. And that's if you want to check that out, that's at hoaxbusterscall.com. If you go to the YouTube channel, there's Atheist Experience 933. Um, logical Fallacies are our bread and butter, where I just kind of go through and I point out that everything that this particular person, this uh, Matt Dillahunty guy and his co-hosts, they were using to prop up their belief in science, or what I call scientism, or a lot of people refer to as scientism, is that you know the concept that science you know the scientific methodology can is a tool that you know you can use to explain and just about anything you know uh you know it has no limits scientism 
so you can have your whole worldview based on it, based on the idea. But uh, anyway, yeah, they post that video, and it's like, no, it's like, okay, fine. But, like, I noticed, too, I, when I put that link in there and I commented in the comments, I was like, okay, so, yeah. Uh, then I just kind of forgot about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't get the typical response. Yeah, what's going on? So it's something that is another thing, too, about YouTube especially is that what will frequent, frequently happen is you can post comments on there and you'll see the comment. You'll see your comment and you, you'll say, okay, I posted it and you move on. And it's like what, what, what will happen is that the particular person that posted the video <clears throat> will ban your comments from posting. You'll see them, but nobody else will see them. It's called like it's referred to, I've heard it referred to as shadow banning. So you can go back in and log out of your account, and if you go back to that video and you look, and your comment won't be there, so nobody else can read it. Like John sent me a a, a video uh, a while back about uh, this guy who was supposedly debunking the idea that we didn't go to the moon. And uh, his whole argument rested on the idea that because, you know, he he was a uh, somebody who worked in, you know, video and video editing and film for umpteen years. So he, you know, declared himself, I'm an expert on the subject. And I can say without equivocation that they didn't have the technology back then to fake it, which, okay, on its face, how sound of an argument is that? So basically what you're saying, and this is where you go when you're, uh, when you're, you're a scientism believer. Like if something has – like the moon ridiculousness has the label science on it, then it's de facto true. Uh, but you have to go to these – you have to bend over backwards into some absurd contortions of logic to support your view. So your So his position was – which is absurd on his face, is that, yes, NASA had had the technical fortitude to go to the ever-loving moon, but they, don't, they didn't have the technology back then to uh, fake, you know, 1-6 gravity and all that, which is ridiculous. And his whole argument was based on the idea that uh, because I, you know, because the, the the availability of uh, video and how much they could put on a video back then, and, and that would be required to shoot it at high frame rate and play it back at it. So it's got a, got into some technicalities of, and said, well, those cameras didn't exist back then. And, and then I responded to in his comments. I said, well, you could put anything on film and make it whatever you whatever in using whatever capabilities that you have a film. And then something that I have some understanding of this, too, because I've worked uh, off and on with video throughout you know, my career in graphic design, web development, stuff like that. And so, so I, you know, I have some understanding, some process or some tricks or something. But you could film with a video or you could take a video camera and film a projection of another film. So you can do whatever you want and project. I say I said, how what what would stop them from doing that? I mean, that's something that I'm aware of and know that, like, certainly the the te- technical sophistication that NASA has available would be able to pull that off, and he says, "Well, no, because that if you had film, you would have dust, 
and then you would notice the dust on the film, and that would let the cat out of the bag and give it away that they were videotaping film. And I was like, dude, really? That's your argument? You know, it's just, just whatever. It's like totally grasping at straws, you know, to support this totally illogical premise that they, they, had the, they didn't have the technical capability to fake it, but they had the technical capability to actually go to the freaking moon. But um, I had ran across a, a link to uh, clean room technology specifically for film from NASA.gov. Um, dated 1969, right around the moon landings. And they said, oh, yeah, we figured out how to make film dust-free. And it was right there spelt out. So I said, oh, here you go. Take a look at this. Um, yeah, that comment was gone. But why am I going into all this? It's like you have people with this worldview. And what's typical out there is like, what I'm getting at is the tactics that are used to prop up and support and perpetuate this religious, religious, uh, zealous belief in this thing called science, which has become an abstraction. You're not talking, you know, you talk in terms of something as science and it's anthropology promorphized and it's like this you know you're not talking about the scientific method because if you were to take that word out and put a scientific method in there the sentence structure doesn't make any logical sense so it's the new deity it's the science council it's like the whatever comes out of it is 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 uh by way of uh, empiricism and and peer review and all, all the experts, uh, the consensus of experts signed off of it, which is an appeal to uh, consensus and an appeal to authority. So when someone says peer review, just let them know that say, yeah, that that is two logical fallacies, kind of wrapped up in one term. So you're so what you're saying is because this is peer review, this means it's true by way of a consensus of authorities, but that's lost on them. So, so what we have is. This new philosophical worldview, this naturalistic, materialistic worldview, and uh, the, the the individuals that are most fervent about it can't defend it. Like, I've been doing this call for how many years? Five years. I've been going off and on. I don't spend a whole lot of time these days anymore kind of going into dialogue or debate or discussions online. And I've... Countless times I've challenged him. I said, "Come on the call, and we can discuss it, and we can." Th- and then you get up all the time you want, and we can discuss it, and let's 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 bat these ideas around. Let's see what. And I've had no takers. I've called into these shows, and I've had no. Ta- it's like, am I saying I'm some formidable formidable debater or anything like that? It's like no. It's like it is so easy. To knock this worldview down, it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And and there is nothing but logically fallacious reasoning propping it up. So that is uh, what is an integral part of our collective sort of uh, cultural environment and everything. And that's why I think that it's important to challenge uh, Darwinism, one thing, evolution theory, whatever it's called. So 
you could have this position that uh, evolution is true. And it's like, well, you know, Chris, why are you harping on that? Who cares? You know, everybody knows evolution is true. Why even bother challenging it? I said, well, how do you know it's true? And why is it important? Here's something that, um, and I'm constantly trying to develop my thinking around this, how to better communicate what I'm getting at with this. And, and, I, and I keep bringing it up. And I, I tend to have this where, you know, people can tune in these calls and stuff like that. And it's kind of like maybe this guy's kind of scatterbrained or whatever like that. It's kind of like a uh, not – this is not a polished presentation by any means. I don't sit here and script stuff out and come on here and talk, you know, from a script or anything like that. I know a lot of podcasts that kind of – to one degree or another, they do that. And then they afterwards they edit out all the mumbling and fumbling around, and they're and they're careful, and their and their presentation is really polished, and and there's definitely something to be said for that. It makes it more listenable and it and stuff like that. And and it's it's not really appealing to have someone kind of fumble for words or anything like that. So they so if they're not really into the subject matter or or especially something that's challenging some of one of their beliefs and stuff like that, then it's like. It's it's fodder for dismissing it right out hand. Well, this guy says um too much, or he says you know too much. So you know I'm going to just dismiss what he's saying. That's typical, and it's a, it's part of conditioning too. We're conditioned to have everything polished and you know pre digested, and then you know spit out you know and get you know back around to what I was referring to earlier. Bill Nye, the science guy. So that his Netflix series is going to give you the scientific presentation with all the f- flashy showmanship and the and the you know scientifically crafted propaganda. And I put a video up that touches on that. Uh, it's it's about the transgender hoax, and you can check that out. Hoaxbusterscall.com. But yeah, check that out. And uh, I made a couple of calls to clinics that do the so-called sexual reassignment surgery. And I think most people know that they will do this to children. They'll take and uh, perform surgery on their genitals based on the premise that it is a female in a male body or it it is a male in a female body based on some construct that is very loosely, I don't even know, you, you can go and find these, uh, a peer-reviewed paper where it's some reference to some uh, combination of gray matter, white matter in the brain. And, but, you know, they did, they took a sampling of like 18 different individuals and they did MRI brain scans on them and they said, hey, this is like the female brain. And I don't know of any reference in there that refers to the, what I've heard other places and I've read other words that's scientifically established that your brain is molded and shaped by behavior. I mean, I, you know, if you play guitar for, you know, umpteen years, it's going to wire your brain. Is that going to show up on MRI? I don't know, but... Um, you know, so it's, I think that's well established and well understood neuroplasticity or what have you it, at least allegedly is is out there in the the, the the literature and all that 
but that's that is not even referred to when they're scanning these brains. But anyway, what it comes down to is that okay, does this show up in something that's testable that they perform before you go and get your genitalia completely reworked and mutilated? Now, if they're taking a penis and they're turning it, they're they're trying to turn it into a vagina, and they're only going to do it cosmetically. You got to wonder too. It's like, okay, you're going to have like a, a hole down there, and you got no uterus or anything for it to go to. What is how how freaking problematic is that going to be? I can only imagine. It's just just it, it's absolute insanity, is what it is. But um, here's what I'm getting around to, and this is, and I think this is an important point. Is that like I was referring to these individuals before? They don't engage in debate in discussion about it. It's like okay, this is you know the, the Earth is four point five billion years old. Everybody knows that. Anybody who denies that is a science denier and an idiot, or you're you're fundamentally religious and that you have fun, fundamentally religious motivations to sell to sell uh, Jesus to somebody or something else. That that's the only opposition there is to this because it's settled empirical science but um like uh oh i'll put in a plug for propaganda while i'm on it uh the link his his link is on the side and uh one of the one of the sites i i frequent and he had a he had a link to a to a, a video and i played a snippet from it before the call uh, where it's like, well, there, you know, there is no big bang according to a lot of these physicists out there. But anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to look, looking at the rest of that. But anyway, it's that, no, these things that people take for granted and they'll go on, and I hear this a lot, like the Earth is 4.5 4, 4. billion years old. Like you have any idea what was going on 4.5 billion years ago. Like these, this is coming out of the mouths of people that if you go back um, 400 years and say, well, what did your backyard look like 400 years ago? They have no freaking clue. But they'll say 4.5 billion years, that's the age of the earth, as, you know, in the same with the same level of conviction as they would if they were to say, yeah, I had oatmeal for breakfast this morning and a, and a piece of dry toast. I know that. For a fact, and I and and with the same conviction that I know that for a fact, I know that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. So, what the question is: How do you know that? How do you know that? Did you go and look at the alleged science? Have you even perused any of those uh, anything out there at all on the internet at all that that makes reference to that and how that was arrived at? Just exactly how? I mean. With some deal of rigor where you're trying to dig around at it and maybe say, is this true? Or No, you didn't. You heard it repeated. You were taught that in school. You were taught that you've heard it repeated, and you repeat it like a parrot. Like you could train a parrot to repeat words. Do they know what they're talking about, a parrot? No, they don't. Now, they know that certain things are associated with, like, they the word cracker is, like, cracker they it's associate they make this association which is very rudimentary and people have been conditioned and trained to do the same thing it's like i can associate social acceptance with this you know and sounding you want to sound smart you want to sound intelligent 
and these are the set of criteria that have been put out there for me, then I could repeat these phrases, and therefore I am associated with science and smart people, and I'm smart, and I'm intelligent. And I say the, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, and then when I say it, I'm going to say it with the same level of conviction as that I had, you know, post-toasties for breakfast this morning. And I rode the bus to work. I know that for a fact, and I know that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. But you go if you want to go and look at it, and you and you can say, well, what is this based on? Like Bill Nye, the science guy, will say, well, rubidium and strontium. You know, strontium is the is the daughter element to the rubidium, and we can go back and look, and we can see that we have this amount of, of daughter elements to the level, and we can, it's just a simple calculation. We know the Earth is four point five billion years old. It's written right there. But see, when you go into it and you look into it, it's like, okay, then it becomes extremely problematic. And it's very, very it's based on a, a lot of presuppositions, and it's very tentative, and it's not so clear cut. You know, when you, you what mainstream science also says too is that the uh, I might get these flipped around, but whatever, like rubidium, the primordial levels, which means the the, the amount of rubidium was there at the, at the beginning, according to science, is ninety percent. So ninety percent of it is already there from the beginning. So you're going to take a measurement as a as a as a daughter element to to get the ratio. Where are you going to get that? Because it's there's no according to science there's no closed systems in nature. So how do you rule out that there was your sample has this rubidium uh, contamination in it? Unless you know for a fact that this rock was there at the beginning when the Earth formed, and that there was no um, cross contamination or anything like that, how do you know that, science, Mister Scientist? And I was considering, I was contemplating maybe calling up, and then maybe somebody at the USGS or somebody that's a scientist, a geologist, that can break it down precisely how they know this for a fact. But if you go in and look at some of the counterclaims, maybe even go on to a, a creation, you know, oh, heaven forbid you go on the creation website and look at maybe some counterclaims, you'll see, okay, that's not so set in stone, set in stone no pun intended. But anyway, uh, is the Earth 4.5 billion years old? For someone who just wants to accept what they're told, yes, it's 4.5 billion years old. But if somebody wants to, like, challenge that or maybe question it or be skeptical towards it, it's not so cut and dry. As a matter of fact, from what I understand, that the it's also supposedly allegedly calibrated off uh, this, the same kind of configuration between uh, uranium and lead or something like that. And that's also incorporated. It's like, like, how much lead did you have to begin with? Well, that's something that's is, is presumed is based on a, uh, on a, uh, uh, some pretty big assumptions that you have the sample that's uncontaminated. But anyway, so there's some there's some technicalities that go into it. But you could see you can get at least get an understanding that when you're looking into this stuff, there is a lot of leadway for interpretation. And that's what you run into a lot with all this stuff that's supposedly, allegedly settled science and set in stone and empirical and unquestionable. Uh, that's why I bring it up and going into it. So fast forward to 2017, and you got Bill Nye, the science guy, telling you that there's how many different genders? I it changes all the time. At least for, so, it, basically, putting the science label. 
on this nonsensical idea that there's more than two genders, male and female. There's much more. It's, it's, it's all, but see, this is, and they did a dog and pony show, and they had it dancing around. It was god-awful. It was terrible. It was excruciating to watch. But anyway, there it is. And then officially it's been announced now. And somebody may say, well, Bill Nye's not a scientist. It's like he's just an engineer. It's like he doesn't represent scientists. There's a lot of scientists that disagree with him, I'm sure. It's like it doesn't matter. It does not matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter. I, I called up a clinic, and they said there's nothing testable physiologically that says there's a female brain and a male body. There's nothing there. We don't go off of that. We, like the lady said, you can go listen to it. It says that we have a psychologist come in. They talk to them. Uh, the criteria, from what I understand, the only thing I can gather is that is there, if they're really persistent, then they're truly transgender. So it's just it's very vague subjective criteria. Nothing set in an objective reality. Nothing. None of this touches on objective reality. So now you got people that will come out and say there is no biological difference between male and female. They'll actually say that. And I said, what you imagine in your mind you are, you are that. And there was uh, – somebody sent me that. Oh, who was that? Maybe Jim S. sent me that. Uh, Tucker Carlson um, arguing with a guy on his program, and the guy was like of that mindset. Like, well, you think it, you are. And he said, well, can I go – Tell uh, I want to go to a woman's prison if I get convicted. You know, there's all these um, different institutions that we have that, you know, have male and female uh, segregation and stuff like that. So we have to abolish all that is what he's saying. And he's saying, well, no, you're going off the subject. This is we want this in schools and we want this enforced in schools and all that. Uh, so that's another thing, too. When you get in, you're in a post logic universe, too. You got to remember that. You don't have to go into the implications of your idea. You can just because because of what the individual did on Tucker Carlson's program was to bring it back to children and to focus in on the emotional, uh, which uh, which is, I don't deny this. There's an emotional upheaval that surrounds this poor child that's confused as to who, whether whether they're a boy or a girl. Most likely, most probably, and which was always the idea before, is this is a mental disorder and it has to do with, you know, the, the, the screwed up dynamics in the home and stuff like that. And they get confused and then they and children are very impressionable. And if they get a sense that they can get more attention or more love or affection by being a girl and not a boy. And there's this there's some complex family dynamics that are into play there. They're very impressionable, and they can be very insistent, and they can be very insistent in a delusion like that. And that's very well understood, I think. So, that, But what I'm getting at is this has nothing to do with observable reality. has nothing to do with that. This is, this is what Bill Nye correctly stated. This is evolution. And 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 somebody might come at, back at me at this point and says, Chris, you're an idiot. You don't understand evolution. Uh, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of scientists that disagree with Bill Nye. He's not, he doesn't tell what evolution is. Like, he, I beg to differ. I think the man was absolutely 100% correct. It is evolution. Now, what, now what is evolution? It, it is a world, it's a, it's a view that, okay, we came out of primordial stew, 
four point whatever billion years ago, and then it's just been this long progression of fortunate accidents that get us to the complexity and diversity of biology in the world today. Like everything came from this random chance process. That's essentially evolution in a nutshell. And when you present it that way, it makes people angry. They said, no, it's natural selection selects. And it's like, okay, what is, if you're going to select something, it has to exist, right? Does, did, okay, is that, everybody listening, are they are we on the same point here? Like, if you're going to, like, if I have an object here, I'm looking at my desk and I have, oh, there's Jay Dyer's Esoteric Hollywood book, and there's my pocket knife. And I'm going to pick one up or pick the other up. And I could s- select between the two. What, I have a letter I want to open or I want to read some more of Jay's book? Or, uh, what, what is, I have two things to select. But they have to be here on the table for me to select them. That's, I, I think that's, we're, we're kind of in the realm of objective reality right now. So that's, I think that's important. What I'm talking right now, this is what I'm referring to. There actually is the book on my desk, and there actually is the, the knife on my desk, and I actually have my hand on it. In order to select it, I have to, they have to be here for me to select them, right? They, they can't, like, exist conceptually or any other way than in physical reality. Okay, I'm belaboring the point, but I think you get my point. But the product, according to evolution, is randomness. Before it gets selected, it, it, the, the product, whatever product is there, is a product of purely random, is pure random. So when Bill Nye says this is evolution, he is 100% correct. Evolution is garbage. It's philosophically, bank, morally, intellectually bankrupt. That's why you can't get any of these nincompoops to, to come on here and defend it. That's why they won't want to defend it on the YouTube. They don't want to defend it anywhere. They want to go on and put up a video and then bash me or bash anybody else that's count, giving any counter-argument to it. And, and, and it's like, why does everybody believe it? Because they don't want to be called an idiot. It's just like I was referring to earlier. You could train a parrot. They associate good things with believing in evolution. I was just watching the other day um, this guy, Mike the Health Ranger. He's pretty well known in you know, alternative media circles. And he was talking about Bill Nye. And he was, he was saying that from what I gather, Mike, the health ranger guy, believes in evolution. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm misrepresenting the guy. I hope I'm not. But he was he was balking at Bill Nye saying, oh, that's ridiculous. That's not evolution. If Bill Nye says it's evolution, it's evolution. It is evolution. It is evolution. Because what did we just got through establishing? Everything is a product of random chance happenings. There is no design. There is no end plan that's predetermined. It's all random. Everything is in biology is a product of random chance. Oh, 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 uh, and natural selection. <laughs> Don't forget, it's, it's, it's really natural selection that does it all. No, natural selection doesn't do shit. Does not do anything. That 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 see now when you get into discussion, the, the people want to emphasize natural selection. 
and they want to downplay randomness because you know, because biological life is extremely complex and there's you know allegedly the DNA and the code and it's uh, you know they're looking into it and they're saying hey it's just like a computer program it has like subfolders in the DNA the code is just like a, it's just like this really super sophisticated like app like a computer but it's like computer app but like way more complicated. And then it's like, well, well, I guess it would have to be if it's, it's if it's governing a, a self-replicating machine that can eat uh, s- stuff in its environment and process fuel from, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be pretty complex, right? Uh, but it's a product of random. So they try to downplay the random aspect, but no. But it, here's the thing: is like evolution theory is the established uh, worldview of origins for. Anybody that's regarded as, uh, you know, so-called, quote-unquote, intelligent. Um, And everybody primarily, for the most part, generally acquiesces to it, defers to it. Uh, To come out as an evolution denier is just not good optics. You know, it's just not good for your image. So you want to pay deference to it. Uh, And generally speaking especially anybody that's got a, any kind of a degree or represents themselves as somebody that's educated, certainly they're going to pay deference to, to, to Darwin. Okay, if you understand evolution, then there is no uh, archetype. There, male and female really is could, could well be in a pass, just a passing phase of evolution. And there's no reason why uh, the... the um, uh, architects of reality, the science council, can't direct that evolution. Who's to say they can't? And if they want to abolish male and female, who's to say they can't? It's evolution. According to who? Uh, uh, science. The science council. You don't get it? It's, it's a lot like the law. It's like you're, you're not going to understand the law or be able to interpret it uh, unless you're a judge. Why? Because it's not coherent. It doesn't have to follow logic. It doesn't have to follow anything that resembles anything whatsoever that's remotely coherent. It's arbitrary. It's like you're not going to understand Constitution and all that. you got all these podcasts up there, people are talking about it, and they're trying to pick it apart, and they're saying, oh, this is commerce or common law or the sovereign citizens or all that other nonsense. It's like, no, you don't understand. It's what whatever the judge or the 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 Supreme Court says it is. Like if they say that a reasonable search and seizure include uh, like what happened to one guy from what I heard. I don't know if that was true or not, but they sent him in for multiple um, colonoscopies. They sent a counter in case he had drugs up there. Was that unconstitutional? I, I don't know. If it goes to the Supreme Court and they says it's constitutional, it, it, it that represents a, a reasonable search and seizure, then it's, that is reasonable according to the Constitution because the Constitution allows the interpretation, and it's not a, a based on any objective standard. Neither is science. You don't have to go in and look at the brain and say, oh, this is a female brain. It doesn't require that. Evolution theory doesn't require any evidence. Well, Chris, they got all the fossils, man. You just denying the evidence. You denying it. We want to give you the evidence, like Matt said. We tried to tell you where you can go get empirical proof at Ken Miller's laboratory. Like he's going to let me in his lab and look at his nonsense, like I'd want to anyway. What is he going to show me? Something under a micro with radio radio uh, crystallography 
uh, imagery of the DNA, and, and he's going to point. What is he going to do? He's going to point, and he's going to say, this is chromosome 2. This is proof that we came from monkeys because it's, it's like it was just gibberish. But it's like you have to go into it with the perception that this is an authority and that what he says has validity. And that's what I was challenging. That's what I was getting around to try to challenge Matt on. But I never got to it because he hung up on me. He got mad because I, I said something disparaging about the IRS. Maybe they were going to get an audit soon or something. He didn't want anything out on his program that was uh, critical of the IRS. I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it, 32 flavors of gender is evolution, is science. Because I think where people get confused about this whole science thing is that it's predicated upon observable reality. It is not. Like, where are the fossils? Okay, they're there, Chris. You just don't want to go to the museum and look at them. I've seen fossils, man. I've seen them. If you see the transition between fish and lizard, the the Tiktaalik, you found that laying out in the middle of the highway. Let's say that the, the, this important scientist that found it had it in the back of his pickup, and he didn't take due uh, diligence to secure his load, and it fell out on the freeway. You're the next guy that happened chance be in line behind him, and you saw it laying in the middle of the freeway. What the hell is that? You wouldn't even stop, probably, to pick it up or even look at it. But let's say you did. You're like, oh, that looks like some kind of fossil. Oh, look at it. Oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of neat. Would you look at it and conclude that it's some kind of important evolutionary ancestor? No, hell no, you wouldn't. If you see it in a museum and it has the sanction of the scientific council, the holy lab-coded scientific council, will you believe it then? Yes, absolutely. And here's another example. And I'm going to go to callers here in a minute. Uh, is that anything, no matter how far-fetched it is, if you can have the perception created that it's science, and then you have these representatives of science say it, and they repeat it, then it's just a matter of time before the intelligentsia picks up on it and starts repeating it. Then it becomes a truism. That's how it gets established. That's how everybody believes in evolution theory today. It's not examining the evidence. It's not getting into discussions of logic. It's not... It's, uh, I, you can't go on with Matt, Dylan, Honey, and, and discuss it without him cutting you off. That's not... That's not going to change this. That's not going to alter it. That's not how it gets established. It gets established through repetition, repetition, repetition. It's like people say, well, people are rejecting this. This 32 flavors of genders is nonsense. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't really, if you're over the age of, I guess, 20 or whatever, if you're over, the, if you're over a certain age, it doesn't matter what you think about it either. Because we're going to die off. This stuff is geared towards the young young children. When they become adults, they'll have heard this repeated early and often throughout their life. 
when they get older, they'll hear that the globe globe is warming up because of uh, man-made causes. They're going to hear it repeated early and often. Uh, Noah Genishow brought that up. Uh, it was just recent, recently they were talking about climate change and stuff like that. And they played a clip where it was this little girl and she was talking about suing Donald Trump for not taking action on climate change. But clearly she had been thoroughly propagandized into that idea. And what, how, how old is she? Like 10, 12 years old? Has no clue what's, what's going on or whatever. But, this, but she's going to get all this praise and adulation because she parrots what she heard. And that's how you succeed in life, and that's how you succeed in school. And that's how these ideas get established. It's not about debating the evidence. It's not about logical argument and discourse. It has nothing to do with that. So get that out of your head. Just completely disband that, especially if you're, if you're a believer in evolution theory. It's like you have been thoroughly indoctrinated. You have no freaking clue how evolution is supposed to allegedly work. Uh, if you're listening to this, I guarantee you, you won't have the guts to come on and debate it with me. I know you won't. I guarantee you, you won't. Because you believe it by way of the scientific council. And the only way that you could maintain this belief or defend it is to appeal to their authority. Because there is no evidence out there for this. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned the fossils. Well, he doesn't want to really talk about fossils, does he? He just denying the evidence. He's, a, he's an idiot. He's a denier. He knows all these fossils are there and they found them. He, he just doesn't want to see it. It's like, well, okay, fossils. They got fossils that prove substantial so-called transitional fossils to, to prove evolution, right? That's your belief. You believe that. Have you seen them? Do you know what you're talking about? No, you don't, because you would also be aware that Stephen Jay Gould invented a theory called punctuated equilibrium to explain why the fossil record shows what he calls stasis, where everything stays the same, and that there isn't any linear progression that can be found or observed in the fossil record, and he states it outright. Well, you're quote mining, Chris. You're taking his words out of context. Okay. If I'm taking his words out of context, please explain to me how the context changes what he said where there is just no, there is no fossils to establish that there's all this linear progression like we expect to find. So what do you do? What do you do? You invent a new theory to explain why you don't have the evidence for your primary theory, your primary dogma. It's dogma. You can't deny it. You can't uh, throw it out the window just because you're not finding evidence for it. So you come up with punctuated equilibrium. Look that up. If you think I'm making that up, look it up. It's a theory that explains away the lack of fossil evidence. If you insist that there's sufficient transitional fossils to, to establish evolution and Darwinism, please explain why that theory was formulated by Stephen Jay Gould 
and see if you can dismiss that theory and maintain the position that these authorities have any uh, validity whatsoever because Stephen Jay Gould was certainly regarded as an academic authority, certainly regarded as an authority on paleontology and on evolution, certainly. Now, the only way that can be construed that I'm taking his words out of context is that 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 did that prevent him from being an evolution believer? Because you can go elsewhere in that book where he's referring to that, and he certainly still believes in evolution. So therefore, I'm quote mining because he didn't say that didn't cause him. I, I know that that didn't sway or hurt his belief. I know it didn't. I understand that. That's That has nothing to do with the evidence because it's not an evidence-based belief system. Why would it hurt his faith? It would not hurt his faith at all. Why, why should you expect it to? It's not evidence-based. It's not based... In other words, it's, not a, it's nothing that you can look at. And when I was trying to get into that debate with uh, Matt Dillon, honey, it's like uh, I was saying, well, let's say I'm a doubting Thomas, like what it talked about in the Bible, where doubting Thomas wanted to see the holes in the hands and the, in the side, and, and then Jesus said, put put your hand in the side, put your and then showed him, and then, he's, then he became a believer. It's called empiricism. Some, show me something that I can look at, I can touch. And I was asking him, okay, where's, where's the evidence along that order that establishes evolution? And he referred me to a peer-reviewed paper and Ken Miller's work. Well, he found monkey chromosomes and, man, and they're fused in the chromosome too. I said, oh, is that so? Is that empirical? No. Now you say, well, Ken Miller, he is looking at objective empirical reality. He's looking at molecules, and molecules exist, and DNA exists, and he's looking. It's like it doesn't matter. What is his interpretation of whatever it is he's looking at? Is that that is what is in question? It's not the idea of whether oh, there's a scientific method being conducted or not, or whatever. It's like I've made this um, comparison before. Like you can read about um, oh, Mesoamerican culture down in South America where they had the uh, – uh, what, what was the culture? Aztec culture, something related to it, and they had your shamans and your witch doctors and stuff. And you'd go to them and say, oh, I got this problem or then my gal's – kicking up on me and whatever shame and you got to help me out man i'm in in deep 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 in the hurt locker uh and then he'd say all right have a seat and he's got his uh coconut shell or whatever and he's got water in it and he takes um so they their culture there's a lot of corn around and they raised corn and stuff so they didn't have corn like we think of it where it's all yellow they had different colored corn so he had a different colored corn kernels and he'd put them in the water and some would float and some would sink and then he would like look at it study it he probably sat there for like 20 30 minutes like staring at it i don't know if he ever maybe got a stick and poke one of them to see if it would sink or whatever he's reading the corn he's reading it and you'd sit there and say yeah this is heavy duty stuff i'm damn i wonder what the corn's saying about this and he's reading the corn and then he's a corn reader, and he's like, he's, then he's gonna, then he's gonna do the corn reading and look at it. Is there really corn in the cup? Yeah. Is there really water? Yeah. And the corn reader is gonna read it and interpret it for you and tell you what it means. 
so basically what Matt, Matt Dillon honey suggested I go to go to Ken Miller the corn reader and have him read the corn to me except for nowadays we got all the trappings of the of the modern world we got the laboratories and all the visual com- uh, established proof that this is all legit this is all science and this is science going on up in here and this is all above board and legit and whatnot and so forth. And we got all this visual evidence and proof. It's like when you go into a hospital, which is the third leading cause of death, according to peer-reviewed studies. Uh, you go into the big the sterile halls, and they're making everything sure everything's sterile and clean because they don't want you to get infection. And it's all with the perception that, oh, they're going to they're gonna set you straight. And it's like the third leading cause of death. Most likely the first leading cause of death is modern medicine. But um, do people s- still put their full faith and trust in it? Absolutely. Because you get all this visual confirmation when you go to the hospital. It's like, oh, there's science going on up in here, and I'm going to get, you know, fixed. And, you know, if you have um, – and here's the thing, too. It's like you get presented with a false dichotomy where, oh, you're saying, like, like everything at the hospital is, 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 is bad, and there's nothing benefits to modern medicine like – no, certainly they can. Trauma medicine is great, and there's other other. Yeah, false dichotomy is another big one. Oh, you're using a computer and you deny Darwin. That's another one. But it's logically fallacious. It's called the association fallacy. It's like it doesn't. If one thing is associated with another thing, that doesn't validate the other thing. Even though the other thing may be demonstrably very beneficial, it doesn't. By association, you know, you can associate the two things, but that doesn't, like, you can't take a scientific peer-reviewed study about the engineering specs of a uh, uh, a BMW motor car and take that and then, okay, we got this peer review signed off. So I'm going to take this into Ken Miller's lab and where he did his studies, and then he's going to use that to validate his studies. And he's saying, no, that's not how science works. Well, that's how you think it works, is you're always making the association fallacy and calling me an idiot and using a computer. And they said, that's, that's not science. I deny science. So if you're going to make that association fallacy, it's like, why, why, why isn't that not valid? But I just got these, uh, that... Uh, Circumstances I just got to uh, uh, hypotheticalizing about, which is, uh, yeah, association fallacy. But, uh, yeah, the 32 genders, get used to it because it's science and it's official now. It's science. Uh, Like it or not. So it's got, and you, if you want to get kind of a gauge of what the f- going thought is out there, just like kind of look. You can go to my video where I posted something about it and look at that. And there's other ones up there about, you know, transsexuals, transgenders, and stuff like that. And then, like, without fail, you're going to run across an individual that says, well, they've scanned brains and they know it's a female brain in a dude's body. It's science. And it's like, I don't know if they're trolls or they're put up to it to put that stuff out there or what's going on, but that is true. It's science. Yes, it. Uh, there was a study performed. Yes, it was peer-reviewed. Uh, so, therefore, that establishes it as fact, and anybody who denies it is an idiot. And if you want to persist in saying that there aren't more than two genders... Just prepare to be called an idiot. 
Or maybe that's something that's going to be a concern of your children. You're sending them to public schools, and they're going to get indoctrinated with this stuff. And when they get to be your age, then that is going to be very effective, because it always is. And they are going to know better than to deny that there's not 32 flavors of genders, because they will be thoroughly conditioned, and it's not by presenting them anything that has any bearing on observable reality. It's based on repetition, repetition, repetition. So, um, oh, I was running my mouth for an hour and 16 minutes. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to chime in on that subject because I think that that is an accurate assessment of what's going on with this. Because if you think that so-called science uh, is based in an objective reality, you're just flat wrong. You are just flat wrong. Uh, It has nothing to do with that. Um, how, how do you think evolution has sustained itself for so long? If it's so wrong, Chris, how do all these people still believe in it after all this time? Because the Western scientific establishment is a cult. It's like, you're, yeah, everything's a conspiracy. Oh, the scientific establishment is this big, giant conspiracy, putting dinosaurs in the ground and fool you, and it's a big conspiracy. Everything's a conspiracy. It's like, is the Church of Scientology a conspiracy? No. Is the Church of Mormon a conspiracy? No. Is it is a conspiracy? I ask you, is it a conspiracy? Well, that's not science. Well, they damn sure do science. The Church of Mormon goes out and does archaeological digs to say that they're the Israelites that came over here from wherever, Nova Scotia or whatever, I don't know, Israel. Uh, and they back it up with archaeological digs and science. Well, that's not... It's peer-reviewed. Well, that's not real peer-reviewed by real authorities. Like, how do you identify a real authority? Well, the the, the ones that put out the belief that I like. Okay. Good. So, it's a cult, just like any other cult. Is it a conspiracy? I, of sorts, I guess. I don't know. Any, not, but I don't mean more or less than Scientology or Mormonism. So you have this entrenched, cloistered uh, organization that in order to get into it, a prerequisite is you buy into naturalistic materialism and Darwinism. It's real simple. And if you don't, you get kicked out or you get ostracized. It's real simple. It's like any other cult. Uh now, provide me some evidence that if you become a member of Western academia and the establishment, that all your human inclinations to, to delve into confirmation bias and ch- uh, cult mentality stuff is somehow erased. Like I hear Lawrence Krauss and these other science populists, they'll often say this because I think this is part of the uh, – uh, you know, the, the, to, to prop up this idea is like – 
Well, so, uh, we'd like nothing better than to have somebody come in and upset all our commonly held dogmas. I mean, he didn't say dogmas, but uh, they wouldn't. We, we we like nothing better. As a matter of fact, anyone who does that, we give them a Nobel Prize. It's like, yeah, sure you do. Um, prove that, though. Well, you can look back into history and see how many times science has changed its mind and updated its theories and beliefs. You denying that? It's like, no, I don't deny that at all. I, certainly, there's revisions within establishment of science. But what are those revisions based on? What is it based on now that we got 32 flavors agenda? You can go back and look at Bill Nye's show back in the 90s. Look that up. That's interesting. Um, old Bill Nye uh, gender. So you can look at one of his shows back then, and it was very clear cut. You got an XY chromosome, you're male. You got an XX chromosome, you're female. Period. Bill Nye show. So we had all these new discoveries since then that we have identified 32 flavors of gender now, I guess, at least. No. Is, is it evolution? Yes. Is it science? Yes. Bill Nye says it was. <laughs> that makes it science. Um, yeah. Pr- 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 now it's established, and it's now the burden is on you to prove it wrong. Prove there isn't 32 flavors of gender. Prove there is only male and female. Prove it. Uh, that's how it works. And, well, like I said, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. Uh, the children, Bill Nye's show is directed at children, like it or not. Uh, not only is Bill Nye going to be teaching this, but, you know, he's already set the tone now. He's a representative of science, like it or not. It doesn't matter if he's got a B.A. in engineering. It's, he, he is just as qualified to say what science is as anybody. Because it's not based on objective reality. Uh, what? What are you talking about, man? You're you're a total idiot. I have to throw that in there to keep myself in check. Yeah, I'm a total idiot. Okay. So I'm using a computer, and it was, it's brought to you by science. So how do I explain that? If peer review is effed up, and it's it's a cult. How, 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 how do you get computers and stuff like that? For one thing, you're not talking about some science council. I don't believe in that. There's no proof or evidence for that. There's no evidence that the majority of biologists believe in evolution theory. I don't, I've never seen anything that gives definitive proof that that is the case. It's just something that's repeated. You can't go anywhere and get confirmation of it objectively. You can't call people up randomly and take samplings and say, hey, do you totally buy into naturalistic materialism? What's your thoughts? And take it, you know, it's not available to you. The only thing that's available to you is that it's repeated often. That's, that's the case. Uh, climate change is real. It's caused by man-made activity. Where's the evidence for it? Well, it rained a couple of weeks ago, and it rained two days later. So that's that's the proof. If you if you deny it rained, you're you're just... Totally dying in reality. Well, what about the premise? No, forget about it. It's like it's what now observable reality has to conform to the theory. It's like you make up a theory. Somebody said if you make up a theory 
people that, you know, you get people believing it, they'll find the facts. It's like, you know, it's it's kind of a cart before the horse, but that's the way it is. Uh, Tirana in the chat saying science doesn't practice the scientific method. Right, that's a malformed sentence, right. But people will say that, yeah, science is yeah based on the scientific method. Yeah, it's like, well, what is science as the collective body of knowledge that have, have accumulated since modern civilization and all that stuff? Like, what are you even talking about? Uh, are there things that are understood that weren't previously understood that have utilitarian applications? Certainly. Uh, are we currently now enjoying the full benefits of uh, advancements in engineering and stuff like that? Um, watch the light bulb conspiracy. And where they it's kind of centered around, uh, you know, this con the, the concept of pl- planned obsolescence. And you can get confirmation of that just looking around you. Yeah, okay, this thing breaks after I buy it. Well, it's planned obsolescence. Uh, it references an actual law that was put in place after the Great Depression that sort of mandated that things be built so that they don't last, so that can uh, propel the economy along. Because it's you know if you, you know, if you only have to buy a refrigerator once in your lifetime, then that kind of defeats the purpose of consumerism, doesn't it? So that's a big integral part of our consumerist culture. But why am I talking about that? Because there's a whole body of science of engineering that is regulated by a law and it it is subjected to the law. It's not purely the pure pursuit of engineering for engineering's sake to make the best product. It's 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 uh, subservient to this law, this arbitrary social construct that's imposed upon this uh, scientific method and limits it it probably in a lot more ways than just planned obsolescence. There's, there's all kinds of developments and discoveries that the average person doesn't get to participate in because it's not put out into the market for whatever reason. That's a whole other subject. But anyway, if you want to do the association fallacy that it, you think that uh, computers establish evolution, well, look into that. Look into the fact that engineering is not a pure pursuit of knowledge and inquiry and getting the best products possible or best things out there to the people that improves their quality of life. That is not the objective. The objective is to engage you in consumerism and to put planned obsolescence into your products so that you have to keep buying stuff over and over or you have to spend money in maintenance and stuff in repair because I guarantee you that the 300-year-old internal combustion engine is antique and that there is no reason whatsoever that we should be riding around in 300-year-old technology when there's probably multiple times over been far better ways of locomotion that's been developed. They have, like, flying... What was that the video I put up about the uh, all the amazing aircraft that existed in the past that they scrapped? What was that? It was kind of like a... It was kind of a... What was it shaped like a kind of a teardrop shaped flat plane? They said that that thing was like a very excellent aeronautic design, and it was very rigid. It didn't. The one dude wrecked one of those one time. Uh, he was just doing some 
uh, maneuvers over a beach or something like that and to avoid something like that. And he turned the thing upside down, in other words, and landed, landed it upended on the thing. Any other aircraft probably most likely would have been dead. But anyway, that that's no longer in production. Nobody talks about it anymore. It's some kind of a... But anyway, yeah, like what happened to that? Like why couldn't you take that design and make flying cars, you know, super safe aeronautic design and everybody be flying around instead of being on the congested freeways? Well... It, what are the technical constraints of that? Is it is the barrier that we're just not able to do that, or is there some other barrier? Uh, yeah, so that's interesting to think about. But, no, if you take everything on face value and think that, you know, we live in a system that's just this kind of bumbling and fumbling through history and that everything comes to us as they get it, and then your latest iPhone is the very cutting edge of technology, there's nothing better, uh, and they just every six months just so happen it falls on that cycle. They they come up with another breakthrough that allows them to make another product. If you really think that's how technology works, I can't. I there's nothing to say to you. I mean, there's nothing to discuss. Uh, I thought I had caller. Is New York New York? You were on the last couple of calls, and I think you're just listening in. If you want to chime in, hit hit star eight. And I guess what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a bit of a break. I'm going to play a song selection, get a coffee refill, drain the bladder, and then we'll resume. Busters call. Join the discussion by dialing 724-444-7444. Call ID 90337. Take four red capsules. In ten minutes, take two more. Help is on the way.
That was Pushing Pedals by Jimmy Day on K-Hoax, K-H-O-X, out of Lawton, Oklahoma. Right underneath the grain elevator over on H Street. And uh going to see if we have any requests tonight. Looks like we got over here on the chat window, New York, New York City. I'm going to unmute you. See if you're on the line, New York City. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, New York City's just listening. When I was in my rant, I saw S. California. I think maybe that was John. But he had probably had to remove himself from the call for for daddy duties. He's got a young infant. I don't have any other callers. Doesn't look like. Yeah, I like that tune. Um, scoop, doop, 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 doop. I'm looking into the chat. NCFL moved to Colorado. That's a new participant. But what else is on the hoaxbusterscall.com blog? The article posted about North Korea. Even North Korea's combat glasses are fake. I picked that up over at the uh, Questioning Our Reality uh, blog. That's another blog I like to frequent. Yeah, uh, most weapons on display in North Korea's military parades are fake. A military expert has claimed Michael Pregand, a former Army intelligence officer in the U.S., was asked to examine pictures from a parade on April 15th in the capital of Pyongyang. Uh, this was more about sending a message than being combat effective, he told Fox News. Many of the guns and projectiles appear to be dummies, he said, adding even that the flat face frame sunglasses worn by soldiers are not combat ready. Uh, really. Uh, U.S. soldiers wear wraparound ballistic eyewear to protect their eyes from shrapnel and other projectiles. But he said the glasses worn by soldiers in North Korea would provide little protection. Yeah, and also, too, I was reading through this, too. It's like the, the, the grenade launchers on there, some crap from, like, the uh, Korean War back in the 50s or something like that. Yeah, it's just all theater, all for show. But here's the thing about this. It's that, okay, this military expert saying this about North Korea's uh, little parade there. And so this is readily identifiable as not, not combat-ready sunglasses. These are old, outmoded grenade launchers. They're not really much of a formidable threat. So what are they doing exactly? Now... Here's something to take into consideration. The majority of people out there probably aren't going to read this metro.co.uk article, but it's out there. And somebody might run across it, but they're not going to think 
really too much of it. But when you stop and think about it, they're putting on these displays in North Korea to demonstrate that they are some kind of formidable threat. But you got to ask yourself, okay, if a military individual in the military, an expert, looks at their parade and has the uh, background wherewith they can assess what kind of threat this represents, and they're just flat out saying that, yeah, even their glasses aren't, ain't going to protect you from shrapnel or nothing. They're not. This is all for show. Well, if it's not fooling our military, it's probably not fooling anybody else's military. So what is the point? Who do you think it's... What do you think all this pageantry is put on for? Who is it directed toward? It's directed to me. It's directed to you. It's directed to the average working schlub out there. And then subsequently what happens is that you'll have Donald Trump or what other talking puppet out there on the TV tell you we need to do this, that, or the other thing, or we're going to get nuked by North Korea. There was another article I referenced not too long ago that was, I think it was out of maybe ABC News or something with along the same lines, but instead of talking about sunglasses, it was talking about the the missiles and uh, saying that, yeah, that's a fake missile. It doesn't have this, uh, the ventilator, it doesn't have, it's just like that, that's, that's a dummy, that won't do anything. And it was allegedly a uh, a missile that, and this is North Korea, and they had this on parade. And a military expert pointed out, it's like that's not a missile that won't fly. <coughs> so what's it for? It's not fooling the it's not fooling the Western powers. But see, we're told that that is what this is all about, like the Kim Jong Il or or whatever his name is is uh, posturing and he's threatening and he's putting on a show to demonstrate his might and his military might and everything to the Western threat, right? Because that's what he calls out. He says, America, I ain't scared of you. America, I was like, oh, so you don't think that he knows that our military experts over here don't know that his thing is theater, it's show and it's put on? Of course they do. So, of course he does. He knows that. Think about it. So, like, I posted a video that Jay put up, and this is uh, goes back to the stuff that I posted up earlier from Jay's site, talking about how this is a, a CIA front, the North Korea is. And that it's just theatrics, and it's really absurd theatrics, too. It's, like, for some reason, low budget. Well, I, for some reason, it's probably whatever money goes in there, they're going to cut corners or whatever because they want to, oh, luxuriate and all the loot that they get. So it's everything's budget. Or, you know, what's the point in having real military Oakley Blades or whatever, military spec stuff? Because... 
which you would go you're telling me that they don't have a budget like like they court north korea can't get decent ballistics grade sunglasses somewhere on uh, alibaba or somewhere they can't they just that's not achievable through them how 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 expensive are sunglasses especially compared to a tank what well, wouldn't you think they would go through the trouble to at least get that knowing full well that it's going to be no, why bother? It's good enough to fool the average schlub. And but you're going to be told by your politicians, your talking heads, your pundits out there on CNN and ABC that they represent some kind of an actual threat. Then that, that will still be put into the talking points. So what is it all designed? It's designed to fool you. It's designed to fool me. It's designed to fool the average schlub. It's not designed to fool anybody else but us. And if you think any of this geopolitics shit has any basis in reality, just look at North Korea. Look at the dog and pony show over there. It's all theatrics. Most likely a vassal state of the sea, you know, orchestrated and put on by the CIA. They had that movie, uh, dang, what was it, with the puppets. It was... uh, the same people that did the South Park stuff, I think. Team, Team America. I watched that and it was like, wow, that's pretty over the top. And it's it's got some funny stuff in there. But it was like, <laughs> it was weird in that it was like sort of a revelation of the method type of propaganda piece where they go ahead and show you like all the celebrities that are kind of in and out and among the circles of uh, the dictator of North Korea and all that. It's very odd. But um, basically showing you there that it's like, oh, it's all theatrics. But, um, yeah, that's the thing. It's theatrics. Uh, It's like a lot of anything you hear out there. That has to do with a lot of this stuff, like especially like uh, Syria, stuff like that. It's theatrics. Oh, that reminds me. Um, had a listener send me an email, said, oh, yeah, you need to check out this documentary, uh, Hi- Hyper Normalization by uh, Adam Curtis from BBC. And so, yeah, I checked that out. Yeah, I recommend checking that out. I think Adam Cur- Curtis is a... His material is sort of a limited hangout where he's going to tell you about different stuff. You know, he's going to tell you maybe about the neocons or whatever. But he, you know, it goes into it with it's going to serve the system in a way because it's going to be revelatory. But at the same time, it's going to uh, continually prop up the current established uh, face value of like who are the neocons, who that, who do they represent, and what is this about. But anyway, it's some interesting stuff in there. One of the things that went in there was talking about um, Gaddafi. And it was back in the 80s. They allegedly bombed his house, and there was a bunch of hoopla around that. And you can go look up stuff about, you know, so allegedly his daughter was killed when the NATO forces bombed his house. And uh, what I saved that article, I guess I'll post it in the chat. Where is it? Oh, well. 
I guess I don't have to put it in the chat. It's easy enough to find. If you just put it in the search, uh, Qaddafi's daughter hoax or Qaddafi's daughter alive, it should pull up that stuff if you're interested. But it showed in that documentary hyper-normalization that that footage from around that time. So allegedly a reporter went there and interviewed him after he got his house bombed. And he's standing in front of some structure that is like, well, yeah, it's a damaged structure, but, man, it for all the world looks like some abandoned building because you look that the windows are knocked out and the doors are knocked out. And it's like, well, didn't he have any belongings in there or stuff? But the one room he was standing in front of had, like, some <laughs> books scattered around. And it was like, okay, the book, okay, so this got burnt and there's no dust covering anything. It's just so obviously painfully obviously staged set in the background of that he's standing in front of but uh yeah that's good to take a look at it's it's totally and then the hyper normalization this documentary goes into like um oh yeah how they create artificial realities for everybody to buy into and then it's like politics has moved away from that to this sort of hyper-normalization where, uh, just like in Russia with the collapse of the Soviet Union, they had this uh, ongoing narrative that everything was good and everything was the same and everybody lived in sort of, uh, you know, la-la land where they suspended disbelief and kind of went along with the program, living out the lie when they knew the truth was the opposite. And, well, yeah, but see, it's sort of a in a lot of respects, a limited hangout where you're getting some kind of partial truth. And then the, also the idea that politics ever was real, <laughs> that, that there ever was like a democracy or anything like that, that where people can go vote and have any kind of like uh, input into whatever outcome comes about out of voting, which is just total, absolute nonsense. It never was anything. Oh, Nino 210 calling in. Caller inner. Hey, man, what's going on? How much? How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, just doing some uh, hoax hoax busting or whatever it is we're doing here. Or, I don't know. J- jabber John. Some cow poking. Cow poking. That, um, that bit of ice hilarious because I've been trolling around it. They got all kinds of crazy topics, and um, what was that again? Excuse me. But one thing, I, the Bill Nye stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they got all all their episodes. There's 13 episodes, <laughs> and they they cover all of the crucial topics. <laughs> but the big saving grace is if you like look in the reviews on Netflix, it's. Um, Almost all zero stars or one stars. So that's, and there's about, uh, it says 1,142 member reviews, and nearly all of them are zero or one star. Wow. Okay. And uh, so that's pretty, that's good. Like, that's a good, uh, that's a good feeling for me because I was kind of sickened watching it, and then I'm like, oh my God. But, (laughs) you know, at least a chunk of people took the time to review and say it was terrible. I'm trying to find a couple of the good reviews because they, they really moderate the reviews. 
because I've reviewed stuff and I've but I've been inappropriate. Um, I'm trying to find this one. Uh, yeah, but like I said, uh, uh, you know, like people kind of uh, are reacting negatively toward this whole thing and not buying into it. But then on the other hand, too, it's like, like I was saying, it's like, well, you know, all of a sudden uh, it was like a like a switch was turned on. And then, you know, all the stuff about this transgenderism and stuff is coming about on the scene. Um, yeah, it, it's I don't think it's going to uh, let up. I think it's just going to continue on. And like I was pointing out earlier, it doesn't really matter what the average person that's a grown adult in the modern day thinks about all that. Uh, it's it's directed toward children. I don't know how many children yeah. would watch a program like that. Maybe not many. But that's kind of besides the point because it's it's going to be taught in schools. And it's it's so I think that was kind of like um, an open declaration, kind of like a. I mean, they just had that march on science and all that stuff, and I and I think this is kind of like the uh, official announcement now that this whole uh, postmodernist, uh, cultural Marxist, whatever you want to call it, social justice warriorism, uh, non-philosophy, post-logic nonsense is got the official sanction of science now, according to Bill. And nothing, nobody better to make that declaration than a non-scientist poser pansy like bill nye it's perfect but i but like i'm saying it's like yeah it, it is evolution and it is science no doubt and, and then like a, you know it's not not based on objective reality don't get me wrong i'm not saying that i'm just saying that it, it, it is definitely evolution and it is definitely science if bill nye says it's evolution then yes it's evolution yeah because evolution man i mean like i was saying we're all a product of random chance so there is no reason why we can't have our genitalia reconfigured, be ported into computers, get, you know, uh, avatar, robotic avatar surrogates to march around in on the, you know, it's all that stuff. It's everything is up for grabs, right? We're just progressing through this evolution, and evolution is whatever science says it is. So, you know, that's already established. Nobody questions that. Nobody really cares to talk about evolution or its validity or where exactly it's grounded in reality or anything like that. That's not a popular subject of discussion. Uh, so we've already established that it's an axiom, though. You know, everybody believes in it generally. So this is just the this is just the next step in in you know fairy tale la la land you know manufactured constructed reality. And then, you know, the declaration is made that, oh, there's no such thing as biological sex, and therefore there's no such thing as biological sex. That's the end of, end of discussion. And not right now, but in the future, just like if you, you know, fast forward to the future and uh, you deny that there's, you know, deny that there's more genders than just two, you'll, you'll, you'll simply be an idiot, and that's all there will be to it. And that's all there ever is to it. It's just like now if you deny evolution, you're an idiot. You're a religious zealot or something like that, but you're certainly not. Your your worldview is not empirical. It's not scientific. 
And it's just as simple as that, man. There's not really not much more to it. Yeah, it doesn't. Because I, I think people get hung up on this idea that, you know, we, we have to hash this out with facts and evidence and stuff like that. And it's like, <laughs> not not really. I don't think, you know, I, I did it. I spent a bunch of time putting a, a video together and posting it up. Uh, just pointing out that there is no biology that's tested for before they go whacking off a little child's penis or vagina or whatever, sewing on a penis on whatever they do, whatever monstrous, uh, you know, ridiculousness that they do, and uh, to 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 the poor child is it's 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 not it's not based on anything they can measure objectively. It's just this is based on this. Uh, uh, new construct that's being invented as we speak. <laughs> I could see them ramping it up uh, tangentially with like the UFOisms and go in where there's like no species and you identify with whatever like planetary being you choose. So like you, you could be like a Lemurian or an Atlantean or, you know, an earthling, you know, so it's going to ramp up from no genders to no species. And then you're going to have the Kantian philosophy of your perception, um, uh, you know, kind of ruling things. And, you know, we're going to be able to, that might be the true alien invasion, you know, it's going to be like all of a sudden we pick a, a, a interplanetary or solar, inner solar system species and run with that, you know, We've got the cosplay and the, comic book people that go nuts and the furries and the transformers and wait a minute if you identify as a like martian will will science will science be rewritten to now declare that we have extraterrestrials among us like really in real life like actually have actual extraterrestrials among us See, that's what they're, they're up on Mars now with those little robots digging out DNA samples to bring back to run uh, on our species to see who's a Martian from Mars. And then we're going to figure out the Scientologists are all like related to Xenu. Well, <laughs> I don't you think know. you got to go anywhere and get anything. You just have to have somebody that's willing to. Well, we already have that. I mean, why anything that you can imagine now, I think we already got. But, yeah, there's uh, – you could look that up in the search. Like the the dude that's – he's he's transforming into an alien. He identifies as an alien. He identifies as another species. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Um, he, he, he looks absolutely – I mean, really, truly bizarre. He's had, like, I don't know how many – dozens of plastic surgeries and all that i i think i'm pretty sure it said he had his genitalia just completely removed altogether and uh he goes around wearing like <laughs> opaque contacts so he's his eyes are all look really big and black like an alien and stuff like that so okay then then yeah he he's identified as an alien like from another planet like he i think he actually officially identified as that so we can I, I'm going to go ahead and announce on Hoaxbusters call and break the story that yes, we uh, we have aliens among us right now, officially. I mean, for real, for a fact. <laughs> no, I mean, isn't that totally legit? I, I think so. Like, why? I mean, we've already yeah. established the 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 boundaries, like what self identity is about, 
And um, yeah, so we we can make that. Dec- we don't. So SETI project, the one that's looking for extraterrestrial life, they're sending you know signals out or trying to receive signals. They got these, they all this equipment stuff. They're spending all this money. It's like, hey, you know, SETI, we got we got one here among us. Just talk to this dude, a- alien guy. It's like look, look into, yeah, check his pants out. He ain't got nothing down in. I mean, nothing, no vagina or penis. Obviously, an alien. And you got visual confirmation. You got pictures. empirical proof. You can take a picture of his his non-existent genitalia. You got everything right there, and it's like, well, is he really from you know planet X or whatever? It's like. You don't even need to go into that. He's already he's already self-identified as that. So you don't even know. You don't even have to establish any of that. The question is, did he really self-identify it? And then, how persistent is he? Well, I'm calling him he. What do you do? What do you do? Uh, you got to use a pronoun or something. I, what is a pronoun for an extraterrestrial identified individual? But you but you know what it's I'm getting. Still at. We. It's it's, it's we. still we brothers. Space Brothers, Space, Space We. Space Brothers, SB, or you can can you pronounce it, S, or just say, yeah. But Brother is, a, is assuming is a gen, his gender, so I don't know if you can do that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I need to work on this shit, man. I'm a bigot. <laughs> well, I think it's going to get a lot more convoluted than what it is now. But, uh... Yeah, we're past this uh, point of no return. Well, we've already, like I said, I don't know. I mean, evolution theory has been around for, what, a hundred and some odd years. Everybody believes it, just like it's, like I was saying earlier. It's like, you know, I, 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 I didn't make my bed when I got up this morning. I know that for a fact. And I can go get verification and say, yeah, damn sheets and shit are all bundled up at the bottom. I know that for a fact. And with the same level of conviction, I can state that as an absolute fact. I can state that, yeah, we evolved out of monkeys. I know this is something that I know for a fact. And we got everybody pretty much practically on board with that. Oh, yeah, another thing I was going to say about that, too, is that, like, yeah, you, you, you could probably confirm that, too. Like, anybody that you know in your sphere of influence that's regarded as an intellectual or somebody that's got a degree and stuff like that, you know that they all believe in evolution theory, right? I mean, do you know too many people yeah. that don't believe in it? Uh, don't even – it's not even on the map, like, of conversation or thought or anything. No, it so doesn't it's like come a knee-jerk up. response. You yeah, would, you would think too that since to it's, school. yeah, you would think too since it's the it's the basis for all life that it would come up in conversation more, but but some reason it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it, generally everybody believes in it, so it's like uh, the the moon hoax of 1835. Like, oh, what does that got to do with anything? Well, it's well, it's this. It's that um, if you go back and you read the accounts. Of the Sun newspaper was the first mass media event because that was uh, right after the invention of the steam-powered printing press. The one, uh, some of the initial uh, versions of the paper, it was like it's brand new on the scene. You know, mass media. We can crank papers out. You know, by the thousands. You know, we can steam-powered printing. We got steam power. We got we got shit tons of ink. We can just crank crank this out. So it was the first mass media event. Uh, the r- first real big one was the great moon hoax of 1835. And 
it it wasn't put in the paper as a hoax. It was put in the paper as science. This, this dude, he got a he got this uh, magnificent telescope that he built, and it's so magnificent that he can check out and see what kind of activity is going on on the moon. And we got bat people on the moon. We got bipedal beavers on the moon. And they're having family outings and barbecues and stuff. And we can check them out. And it's got this big, powerful telescope. And we can see all the doings on the moon. I, I think they described. I, it was, if I'm recalling correctly, I think there was like ice skating on the moon with bipedal beavers. And they live in huts. And it's just really imaginative and really descriptive. But the point why I'm bringing that up is that. Um, like how many people bought into it or believed it? Well, if you look at the accounts, they said where, where it really took hold was among the uh, educated classes. And it's like the like the average person, like like farmers and stuff that had common sense and they said, ah, oh, it's a bunch of bull crap. Beavers on the moon, give me a break, you know. That it was the educated classes that totally bought into it because the story was all real descriptive and had like scientific. Uh, uh, descriptions of the telescope and have the the refraction of the lens and blah 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 and all that stuff in there and name the scientist and where he was operating out of and uh, he, he had uh, some other scientists checking out so it's peer review check that off peer reviewed um, it, yeah so all the it, it mainly took hold just just captivated the minds of the intelligentsia the educated classes. And come to think of it, I was thinking about that, and I was like, there's an old term, moon bat. Like, you call it, if somebody's crazy, you call them a moon bat. I was like, yeah, that's, like, interesting, like, how that was an always, like, it, that's an old pejorative. You can throw at somebody, call them a moon bat. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's where that came from, the, the bipedal beavers uh, and the moon men on the moon. Because they were saying that it was like in the story of the Sun newspaper, and it was it was put out there as real. This is real. We got this going on. That's our next door neighbors or our bat people flying you know on the moon and bipedal beavers on the moon, and and uh, yeah, a lot of people believed it because of the way it was simply presented and with scientific jargon and lingo and and it was like yeah facts facts. Can't deny the facts. Bipedal beavers and moon moon men on the moon, bat men on the moon, bat people, and that's where the expression "moon bat" came from. So yeah, I, th- I think. So uh, yeah, are the moon bats still among us? Absolutely. Bill Nye is one of them. He's a freaking moon bat. But uh, yeah, he, he's the leader of the moon bats. So yeah, you got all these knuckleheads that regard themselves as intelligent and educated and are they going to buy into the science absolutely science just slap a little science label on it and it's it's off to the races bat bipedal beavers on the moon that people would still believe that today you know it if if that would have been just you know just maintained throughout the years with uh photographic evidence here and there and some you know why can't I buy a telescope and see them? Well, they're on the other side of the moon. They 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 hang out on the dark side for extended periods, but they're there. Science. I guarantee. Yeah, I guarantee you, people would believe it. Anything, anything. It doesn't matter. It's such a powerful weapon. Yeah, and it it is a it's it's the new religion. 
it's it's, new, it's not brand new. It's been around yeah. a couple hundred years, but it's it's definitely a uh, uh, belief system. And it's like if you could kind of gauge how firmly people believe in it, it's like, and you couple it with the authority of the state because you have to be credentialed by the state to get into academia, and academia is like, and, and man, you got a very powerful force of mental mind enslavement right there where like people just do not doubt anything that comes out of it if it's got a science label on it man people just do not doubt it they just do not doubt it it's 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 really impressive too American dream is built around it you know if you accept it you are a part of the American dream and then you can live the American dream but I found this little cluster of comments on the science show. It's pretty funny. Um, one star, absolutely terrible, straight garbage. What happened to Bill Nye? He used to be witty and hilarious. I would catch myself actually learning something once in a while. Now it's just turning into politics. Um Weird, weird guy. Couldn't handle scanning the first episode. Engineering degree, degree, question mark. Not science fraud, but I thought I might learn something weird. He's just weird. <laughs> just a propaganda show using science as a medium. Most people are better off watching the moonlit sky for intelligence. I lost all respect for this man as a scientist. Why would this guy give up all that he cherishes for a few dollars? I only rate this one star because there's no lower standard. Bill Nye, the liberal show guy. Bill is more wannabe celebrity than actual scientist. Don't waste your time. <laughs> They're just drilling him the whole way down, which is good. Like I said, I, uh, I'm i going to write my review shortly, but that's, you know, there's a little, but that's only 1,042, probably, you know, probably 95% of them have some shitty shit to say, which is good, but. Can you do me a. You're right. The rest of the people are. I was gonna say, can you do me a favor and, and include the term "moon bat" in there somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> what a moon bat! <laughs> oh my, what a moon bat! <laughs> that could be like gotcha. a gotcha. that could be a hoax buddy kind of insider <laughs> reference. You call Signature. somebody a moon. Yeah. yeah, believers in bat people on the moon. Well, what it says is like, you know, people who buy into scientism and all that can certainly be made to believe in bat people on the moon. Like, even if they roll that out now, like they they could roll out the exact same story from the Sun newspaper and just switch around the names and do stuff like that and roll it out, put it on the front of New York Times. Bat people discovered on the moon. Oh, man, they were hiding out this whole time. And then you'd have to maybe incorporate something in, you know, they, they kind of are like the Viet Cong in, in, in the Vietnam War where they hung out in tunnels, underground tunnels. They have this network of underground tunnels. But they're there, bat people on the moon. And, uh, what's that mean? The Lemurians are in tunnels in Oregon. Well, yeah, I mean, anything, anything. And it, and then, you know, you put science, is, we peer-reviewed it and all that, and it's true. And it's like, man, you, you don't think people would believe it? Absolutely, absolutely. And not question it either. It would be startling. It would be kind of startling, and it would be, 
But, you know, you, you, you can imagine the kind of descriptors and stuff that could be used and the way it can be kind of laid out there. And it's like, ah, oh, we missed them the whole time. We went to the ever-loving moon, didn't see no bat people. It's like, well, they didn't want to make contact because of this, this, and that. And, you know, they're kind of private people, tribal people, you know. It would just, yeah. Uh, on uh, one of the episodes, the here's the the details. It says chemtrails, crop circles, palm readers. Bill takes aim at pseudoscience and explains how confirmation bias makes us believe things that aren't true. <laughs> <laughs> These things are amazing. When I saw, I started watching this. Um, uh, a little while ago, but then I quit because it was terrible, but they had like, uh, they have an episode on GMOs and their, um, their technocrat is actually the chief technical officer from Monsanto. Like that is the guy they bring on to debunk GMOs. And what they do in this episode specifically is they go out like, um, like they're going to go do random interviews on the street, you know, roving reporter style. And they're going to kind of ambush people and be like, so what do you think a GMO is? And they get these three or four characters that make asses of themselves. <clears throat> and then they compare them to the Chinese later on in the episode. Because <laughs> oh, they yeah. said that China doesn't allow GMO rice. And then they compare the Chinese to these four people that made asses of themselves. So, one example is they go up and interview this guy, and I'm gonna, it's a rough memory. So the guy, he's like, what is a GMO? And the guy's like, well, um, it's, it's something you put in your corn, so when a bug eats it, its stomach explodes. And then the guy goes, what happens when humans eat it? No, literally, the guy goes, what happens if when humans eat it? He's like, oh, I guess we're becoming corn bombs. I mean, I'm not kidding. They pretend that that's a real oh. interview. It's insane. It's pure insanity. I've been texting some of the people I, you know, we we chat with, and I'm like, this is the purest propaganda ever to be entered in my mind. What was this on? And um, the Bill Nye, the science guy, it's one of his episodes. Oh wow, okay. No, the new the whole thing is a mess. Huh? Oh, it's like that, really? Wow. I got a new. Yeah, it's the new Bill Nye. I'm considering looking at these now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's insane. Well, you got to remember too; it's probably directed at you know teenagers mainly. Well, so what I was thinking uh, when I was chatting with the, the fellows was uh, it was it's aimed at the people that were teenagers watching it. So I think it's aimed at an older target. But that group, I think, definitely has kids. You know what I'm saying? So I think it becomes like they're targeting uh, people like late 30s, mid 30s, and those kids, people have kids or don't by now. And then, you know, they're like, oh, Bill Nye was good for me. It's good for my kids. So I think it's more targeted towards adults with kids as the ultimate byproduct, as you suggest, for sure. Yeah, because it's, it's it's kind of a nostalgia for Bill Nye because he was in the '90s. He was, yeah. uh, uh, you know, popular then. 
and they introduce yeah. their children and, to it because they, they want them to be, you know, in the know and all the latest science and all that. You certainly don't want them to grow up a idiot like me that believes that evolution is a bunch of bunk. So, you, you know, you, you introduce them <laughs> to Bill Nye and it's going to, you know, get them on board with science, the scientific, you know, new religion. And, uh, yeah, people don't people don't like it because it's not it's not the science that they grew up with in the 90s it's you know because like i was talking about where that you go with the older episodes and they're saying there's two sexes all that craziness then you know it's like but no this is the this is evolution it's new this is new this is the updated stuff and they're and they're not liking it and uh but you know like i said it you know well like you're saying I i wonder if people just still watch it and they still you know introduce it to their children yeah, or the or the accidental presumption is like it's kid appropriate because it's dressed up with like dancing um, stuffed creatures for kids, like Barney style human sized stuffed creatures are dancing around. Like that one you had on um, Hoaxbusters, the one, the one about sex or whatever. That was totally insane to me. You know what I'm saying? That that stuff because like some of the lyrics are like power bottom. And butt sex is evolution. I don't know if you caught that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are the lyrics. Like, I mean, that was mind-blowing. But then there's other ones where there's, there's uh, you know, little dress-up acts. And it's, you know, it's hard oh. to say. But either way, it's, yeah, it's totally, tied in with it, evolution. So, so the way to <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maintain that is like, if you, okay, you deny that, you're denying evolution, and you're an idiot. And people don't like being called idiots. It's that simple. They ramp it up, too. So, like, on the last episode, it's about uh, the population problem. And it's uh, Bill and his guests talk about tackling overpopulation by empowering women. Comedian Joanna Hussman interviews couples about male contraception. So, um, you know, like, they, they, you and I did, like, the, the, the big calculator math on that one call. They're not overpopulated, you know? <laughs> Um, I haven't seen this episode, so I'm sure it's going to be like sustainability and all those knocking points. But I mean, they ramp it up. It's um, I haven't I've seen like three or four of them, mm. and yeah, because they were a red topic because I saw this guy named Aoki on there, and he's like this um, DJ, and I was like, why is this famous Japanese DJ on there? And the name also Aoki is also a famous like. World War II Japanese spy for America, too. So I was like, well, I'm going to watch this to see what's going on with Aoki. And then I just, it was just so crazy that I watched a couple and I saw that food one with the Monsanto dude. And I was like, holy smoke. And they're they're open. So let me read the synopsis. Bill extracts DNA from a strawberry in the lab and talks about genetically modified foods with a Monsanto executive, a professor, and a farmer. (laughs) (laughs) you know well it's evolution because there's no reason why we can't you know monkey around with all the genetics and recalibrate them and everything you know it's it's no reason not to do all that and yeah humans too all are at it and graft on a i'm i'm sure that's coming up where Someone self-identified as a, you know, a, a Labrador or something, and they graft. They can go in and surgically graft on a tail. No kidding. I mean, I don't know why not. Get it like a, a yeah. 
Labrador tail put on you? Like you, what would that be? I don't know why they couldn't, but I mean, what, is that possible? If it's possible, I don't know if it, why, what reason not to do it. It's evolution, right? On his, uh, on the, on the one about the 2020 Mars mission, on his panel, they don't, they don't name the panel, but they do name Will Wheaton, the, the movie guy. <laughs> so the science is coming from, you know, a panel headed by Will Wheaton, a movie guy. You know, like, it's, this is unbelievable layers of, uh, nonsense. It's, it's the craziest stuff I've seen. And Netflix has actually been doing a lot of stuff like that. They got a, a series on the 60s as a whole, like, you know, historical documentary series, and then the 70s and then the 80s. And ironically, it's like a lot of stuff I've learned over the last year, you know, listening to you and listening to Chris and Ron and all these guys. Um, ironically, they're dropping those names. They're like interviewing Gloria Steinem on their shows. And, and they got a bunch of terrible stuff, too. So, like, Netflix is, you know, I, I never, like, had a doubt. But, I mean, it's it's high-level uh, propaganda for, for smart people, you know, quote-unquote smart people, you know. Yeah. You've heard of Bill Gloria Steinem, you know, and that you they say that on this series, then that validates it, and it validates what you think about her. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's insane. I got S California on online. Anybody there? Big color, go ahead. You're on the air, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Must be listening. Listening in, yeah, that's cool. I I would imagine, yeah, it's going to be just completely jam packed with all the uh, talking points on the agenda to get the uh, yeah century of change to bring in all the new science, the new ideas, and yeah, uh, overpopulation. Yeah, that's that's a big one. You got to get that in there. Climate. He's going to probably. You've probably only already seen a lot of stuff about climate change and all that. First episode is climate. Oh, that was the first episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First episode called Earth is a Hot Mess. Bill calls out climate change deniers, breaks down the science of global warming, and explains how we can make the planet a cooler place to live. Yeah, CO2, it's, <laughs> yeah, plants breathe it. But uh, it's a planetary death gas as well, and uh, science proves it. Shoot, I might as well read a couple more for you. You'll probably like them. So episode two is uh, Tune Your Quackometer. Bill and his panel of experts debunk bogus alternative remedies like homeopathy, the healing power of magnets, and curing cancer by yelling at it. So, they, again, that's another one where he... Uh, stick something totally genuine like homeopathy in with like yelling at cancer and uh, uh, healing power of magnets like you did with the chemtrail ones, lumping them up with palm meters and crop circles. 
So it'd probably um, be a good idea to like look at it and say all the stuff that he says is bad. Actually, go out and try it. It's probably <laughs> good. <laughs> Coincidentally, I was doing more reading on the base method today and how people, you know, Aldous Huxley did it, and uh, you know, like yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so that I'm gonna go try harder now. You know, like I've been working at it for a short period of time and. Now I'm really going to do it because it's it's a quackery, so it has to be good. Yeah, I, like there was a, I guess that site's still around, Quack Watch. That's a good one. Like every, everybody that that guy regards as a quack has probably got something good to look into. You know, I know he had a thing on the, had a couple <laughs> of ones on the Bates method. How that's just total lunacy and and all that and. uh I was like, good, it's on Quackwatch. So that's when I was early on looking into it. It's like... Um, yeah, you, get, you got people like Kellogg who's uh, inventing grain cereals with the absolute <laughs> intention of uh, getting boys to masturbate less. And he doesn't eat grain cereals, but he does yogurt enemas, you know, and he lives to be 100 years old. So he's doing homeopathy while preaching his cereals. Oh, and yeah. I got this, uh, I got this, uh, I can't remember the doctor's name at all. It's like this CD set, like 10 CD set, but from this doctor, it's in my car and I don't want to get it. But he talked about the, <laughs> this just jumped in my head. It might be tangential, but he talked about, it's kind of like on the grain cereal thing, but he talked about this experiment that he oversaw and it was an experiment where they fed mice cereal the cardboard box from the cereal and then fed them nothing. And I don't know if you've heard of that experiment, but the, the mouse that ate the cereal died first. <laughs> <laughs> the mouse that ate the box died last. <laughs> wow. I, and it's a real, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll wander up there actually while you're talking, I'll go get that and figure out his name so we can verify it and stuff. But yeah, he talks about the scientific experiments where the, the the mouse that ate the food died first. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter heard that, and she's nine, and she's like, something's not right, you know? And I actually quizzed her on that because I'm really trying to hammer home the programming on health and stuff for the future. And, um, yeah, she, she got it right. I was like, you remember that? She's like, yeah, the mouse ate the cereal and died first. <laughs> <It's> like, yep. <laughs> That's pretty heavy duty. I didn't. No, I haven't heard about that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll get his name. Yeah, that's. Uh, but, but yeah, the GMOs are. I, I guess they can. Um, if science declares them nat all natural, I guess they will be scientifically all natural. Um, so yeah, I think they actually do label things all natural that actually have GMOs in them. So, uh, yeah, genetically modified. I was wondering about this too. Actually, I was thinking about this, uh, earlier about the whole GMO thing. I don't know. Is it, is it something that's sort of overblown and it's kind of like a lot of emphasis put on it like a, or, I was wondering about this too. Is like, um, so you could put this genetically modified crap out into the environment, and then it cross pollinates with other stuff. So it, it, it's, you're going to get the genetic modification into other things, the cross pollination and all that. And I'm and I'm wondering too because they came out. 
with what they call terminator seeds where you have to get terminate you have to get these seeds from monsanto that won't germinate i mean they'll germinate like once and then like when the the the, the plants grow they don't they don't go to seed or they don't perform they don't yeah. produce seeds that yeah they want the, the seeds won't germinate so you have to continually go back and get the seeds from monsanto and i was maybe it got me thinking about it it's like so if you so is that is that primarily a profit motive driven thing or is it because this gmo stuff simply will not sustain itself in nature like it like nature uh uh, works that out all the genetic modifications out eventually and that's the way to keep it uh, keep it going to have the the, the custom seeds and, that, and that's that's the limitations of the genetic modification is that you know if it gets out into the environment the the the, the natural uh, the natural plants will eliminate it over time and that's but they can't uh have a permanent genetic modification or anything it's it's got to be sustained through this uh t- terminator seed type situation you know you got to wonder about it cuz it's uh, you know it, it's uh if you take it on its face it's, it's it's pretty frightening but then it's like oh well, is that really true that you, you know genetically modify corn for instance and it goes and contaminates every bit of corn that's out there in existence and then that genetic modification stays the uh, uh, in corn throughout the future generations of corn forever. I, I don't know. That's doubtful. I don't know if that's the case or that if, you know, uh, over time this genetic modify, modified stuff just gets eliminated through the natural processes of nature or, or, or uh, you know, something kicks in and it, and it, snuffs it out over time i don't know that could be well be the case i don't know but uh and then a lot of uh sort of uh, hysteria surrounds this whole thing but they from what i've stuff i've read they say like you know it, it like again in south america i brought it up earlier but yeah the, the they have a lot of uh, a long history of cultivating corn and corn crops, so they have this, you know, diversity of different corn. And they said, well, yeah, since the, inter- the genetically modified stuff was introduced in that in those regions, it's it's kind of taking over and it's like turning it into a monoculture and all that. But I wonder how true that is. If uh, that's really something that's going to be a, a long-lasting effect, or is that something that's uh, a temporary thing? I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> the word's getting some uh, uh, genetically modified. It's kind of getting some, uh, it's getting, uh, uh, how should I say? Like it's its meaning is spreading out uh, without people's knowledge too because in, in general, like almost all marijuana in the medical marijuana or recreational marijuana industry is genetically modified by um, crossing plant species. To you know, so that's not what they're doing. <laughs> you know, injecting um, uh, bacterium into seed to self-destruct and and or fight off insects or whatever. But it, it, just the, the term is starting to get its you know uh, contradiction or its uh, unclarity 
spread around the lexicon with the weed industry because all the weed except for the original strains coming from the original locations like in Mexico or South America or whatever are all all of it all of it is genetically modified except for a handful of uh, primary strains so you know a lot of those dudes are you know, I worked in that industry for a couple of years here in Colorado, and a lot of those people are, are modern hippies, modern vegans. They're fruitcakes, and I hate them. Truthfully, I, I sorry if that sounds terrible, but I um I'm just I'm too old for that, I guess. But um, yeah, they 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 preach about you know <laughs> the vegan stuff but you know you made the perfect point so you got an animal they're eating an animal where do you draw the line you know <laughs> like the whole thing anyway you know they, they're like well weeds genetically modified with its own species you know just like the humans you know so i mean everything's just whatever it needs to be just to be just to be acceptable you know <laughs> it yeah. needs to be flexible well, here's something I was thinking about on the vegan issue is that so you have, OK, you, you know, the modern iteration of it where, you know, you all these YouTubers going vegan, everybody's going vegan, celebrities going vegan. And what 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 I've uh, what I've noticed about it, too, is like, OK, so you have um, and it, it's usually appeal toward younger people, I think, especially like younger women and stuff where. You know, they watch these documentaries like Cowspiracy and these different ones that are out there. And the vegans always, you know, recommend, oh, you watch this and they're going to show you the horrors of the factory farming. And it's, it's, it's horrifying. And, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty repulsive and it's bad, you know. Uh, but, you know, anyway, it doesn't establish anything as being a- amoral or, or immoral or whatever just by, you know, okay, we have a circumstances where, you know, animal abuse is going on. Uh, but anyway, here's the point is that you have people that are, you know, making these big, pretty significant life changes based upon, you know, this, this sort of um, – progression from watching these documentaries to and then go immediately from that to you know you know you hear people say and i've I've seen this in comments on videos and stuff too or looking into this vegan stuff is like yeah i watched uh uh forks to knives and uh that that immediately converted me to a vegan or and I, I i i was like okay so you what what you're saying is is you go from not even knowing where your food comes from to watching a documentary that shows you where food comes from and then go immediately from that to radically restricting your diet. So you go from just total oblivion from not knowing where food comes from to be. And then, yeah. And then not only that, but they take it, they double down and take it one step further and become like a, like a nutrition expert on YouTube. It's like, yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> if if you want to make someone go vegan, have them watch that documentary called Earthlings oh, by uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Earthlings, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, jo- Joaquin Phoenix narrated it, and Moby did the music to it. And um, actually, my my last uh, relationship, literally, I have to say, even though we're not together anymore, she literally quit eating meat after watching this and was sobbing her way through it. Literally, like uh, I witnessed it, I saw it, and heard it. Yeah, she was turned off to me from that moment on, and I don't know. I'm guessing still, but she watched the movie Earthlings once. <clears throat> I never gave up meat. 
<laughs> Never, ever. I'll be honest, though. I, I, I'll be totally honest because you guys don't have to look at me, but, like, I started welling up with tears watching that movie. It was an, it was a direct assault on the appeal to emotion. It yeah. was brutal. It was brutal. And I teared up, I'll be honest, but I didn't quit eating meat. And then uh, also, too, it's... Uh yeah, it, it, like uh, when I got into that uh, debate with Mark Stevens, I, it, you know, it was uh, just just an incessant appeal to emotion. Like I wanted to, I just wanted to maintain my practice of slitting cows' throats, and so you know, so basically, what he's doing as a tactic, as a as a debate tactic, is to invoke emotion and 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 to. You know, anybody listening that had seen like Earthlings or seen these other do- documentaries, the tactic is to invoke that imagery and stuff like that, which that wasn't my position. My position wasn't defending factory farms. Matter of fact, I'm like uh, sort of a, uh, uh, I, I don't I don't believe in the artificial construct of civilization in any way to begin with, like within this phony construct, you know, there's all kinds of insanity going on. And factory farming is not. Uh, I don't think an op- optimal place to get your food from a, you know, stressed out, you know, basically tormented animal. It's not, that's not with, that doesn't fit within my uh, view of the world as something that's good. But does that mean, so then, you, yeah, then, then again, too, it's this logically fallacious reasoning where you're presented with this false dichotomy like, well, it, any eating of meat is therefore wrong and immoral and bad. So that the the tactic is always to yeah invoke that emotion to prod the emotion to appeal to that imagery that's in that in the, in that footage and all of that and that's important to understand. I, there's a really good book called uh, Straight and Crooked Thinking. It's like goes into you know uh, discourse and dialogue and you know uh, emotionally charged rhetoric and stuff like that. I think that's a good book to check out. It goes into a lot of that, but um, it's, it's. I think the same holds true with this whole transgender thing, because you listen to the arguments, and it's always like, "Oh, this poor child is being persecuted and bullied in school," and that's where this sort of that's the pivot point for all the arguments and stuff, or, or not non-arguments, but that's going to be constantly, continually invoked and continually presented in any documentary or anything you read about it, it's going to go into the sad story of how Billy wanted to be Jane and wanted to wear a hula dress to school and got mocked and ridiculed <laughs> about it and how bad that is and look at his tears and look how bad his feelings are hurt. He needs to have his penis cut off so that he can be a, what he always wanted to be, which is a girl. And it's like, yeah, is, is, that, is it based in science and based in objective reality? No. It's based on somebody, some poor child's delusions, and uh, it's a story about uh, moonbat adults that uh, to 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 continue uh, feeding into a child's delusions up until the point where they it it, it results in a you know a, a mutilation of their body that's irreversible, and that. But the story that doesn't get told is later on the road is like the high percentage of these individuals that regret having their genitalia mutilated and it's irreversible. And then, you know, it it started out with a a, a mental disturbance that was being fed into and was being put was being 
was being uh, 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 encouraged and not dealt with the underlying real cause of it. Hello? Hello? Hey, what's up, guys? Can you hear me? Yeah. The vegans also, there's a whole uh, movement philosophically. They call their movement um, veganism. It's also uh, another term they use for animal rights, veganist animal rights, is abolitionism. Abolitionism. And that's the same term we used um, for, like, freeing the slaves. You know, like <laughs> so they're they're comparing like the, the 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 don't eat and use animal products to uh freeing the slaves in the exact same word, same spelling. So it's a it's a deep it's a well weaved philosophy and uh movement. Yeah, uh South Indiana, I think that was Russ. Hey man, I had to put you on mute is like a all the background activity is really coming through in my headphones. I can't even focus on what anybody's saying, so had had to put you on mute, man. Uh, uh, what were you saying, uh, Nino? Um, sorry. Um, so uh, the animal rights movement, veganism, is also one of the labels they slap on it is abolitionism. <clears throat> so it's abolitionism or abolitionist veganism. Is the animal rights-based opposition to all animal use by humans. But the the original definition of abolitionism um, was like the movement to free the slaves. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you, you, so that, that's an appeal to emotion right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, building these associations with the... Uh, yeah, civil rights and the uh, abolition was abolitionism, and I'm gonna look that up. I haven't heard that one before. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, and then check out that uh, I posted that at oakspecialcall dot com. Uh, Kelly from Scotland sent that to me. That uh, it's um, what is the name of that? Did you see that? You know, say that again. That documentary, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, Which one, though? I mean, give me a descriptor again. I'm missing it. Yeah, it was the one. It was put out. It was put out by the BBC, I believe, and it was uh, some British dude put it together. And it was like a pro-veganism uh, propaganda piece, and it went into. I don't think so. Yeah, so they so they set it up where it's like, oh, here's the year 2060, and everybody has gone vegan, and we live in this sort of like um, uh, society of uh, everybody's, you know, it's all unicorns and rainbows, and we're all kumbaya holding hands, and we've 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 come we've become aware of our carnist past. They call the carnist of meat eaters, like how horrible. It was, and it's like kind of a re- reflecting back on the previous decade. So it's set in 2060, and they go back and and um, it, you know talk about every you know everybody's now vegan, and then they go back and then and it, so in history and show the progression of how it you know we, we've arrived at the point as collective hive mind arrived at the conclusion that eating meat was bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, and one of the things in there too that it was just just mind boggling to me. I I, I I don't know how this gets a pass, but so they have the the factory farms are of course all shut down. But what they did was convert them into like um, museums of in the same in the in the in the direct parallel is made there to like Holocaust Museum and like going to Auschwitz. And I swear to you, man, that's like what's in here. And it's like, holy crap, dude! It's like what 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 limits of it has no limits. Like what what they what if they can pull out of the pull out of their rear end to establish this? You know, it's like nothing is off limits. So it's like even the Holocaust, the sacred Holocaust story, can be brought in to use to to prop this up. It's really it's really astounding, man. So it's like yeah, nothing's off the tape. Not even the Holocaust, oddly enough. I mean, you would think like the the holo- I mean, especially the sanction that is given in our modern day, like where where like there's parts of the Western world, like allegedly you can go to jail for denying the Holocaust, but they can they can make that as that this if, for the vegan advocates, they can they can they're, they're free to incorporate that into their propaganda. That's fine, and draw comparisons between cows and Jews. I, I don't like what. Yeah, this is just. Astounding! I don't know. I was just totally flabbergasted by it, but that—that uh, that is, uh, yeah. And see now, here's the thing too. We, we're we're you know kind of post television age where it's like, from what I understand, like a lot of younger people don't watch much television. I don't think like like a lot of people aren't even starting. Where I you know televisions are in every household. I guess like over overwhelming majority, but. Uh, a lot of a lot of the stuff that people watch is on YouTube and uh, on um, you know Netflix and all that. Uh, all the different uh, media, m- new media, and uh, so what? What uh, it kind of harkens back to that that uh, pa- passage out of uh, Future Shock that John sent me that I read earlier. It's that, you know, you have this um, sort of uh, like, a, like a fantasy world that you can kind of escape into. And now with all this, all this customized media that you can customize to yourself, and, I, you know, I do it too. I recognize this in my own behavior. It's that, you know, oh, yeah, you're going to go out and look at documentaries and stuff that kind of like go along with what your interest and what your worldview is, right? And, uh, but I mean, I, you balance I, it though. You look at the trash, you know, that's a, that's a difference. Well, no, in yeah, my I, opinion, do, like I you. do that too. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't put myself in a totally, you know, hermetically sealed bubble or anything like that. But yeah, but I, I yeah. think that there is now that tendency now to, to do that. And at the same time, you have this, uh, gender identity and this, identity politics uh, movement and stuff well underway you got veganism and stuff like that and 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 i was thinking about this too how you know we went in and kind of dug into the whole uh punk rock scene and all that and all the different cultural uh, uh, culture creators and social engineering and stuff that uh, was suggested by going into all the connections and how they're connected to you know the elite elite people in uh, the establishment, and um, 
I, I heard I, I was trying to recall where I heard this with this uh, gender identity stuff. It's like it's it, in a in a way it can be like the new punk rock or the new where previously where it was like you could kind of get into something like punk rock and then you can kind of build this sort of uh, identity around music, you know, your favorite bands, what kind of bands you're into. And then uh, I've talked about this with John pretty extensively where, you know, you get, you know, different scenes within music, like rockabilly scene. I was kind of loosely associated with that for a while, like the roots music scene and stuff where I, I didn't go full into it, you know, back in my younger days when I was going to clubs and stuff like that. I I didn't dress up all rockability, but I was, I was into it. I was into the music, into the scene, all that. But anyway, um, it's sort of a way to form so, sort of an identity, you know, where you're kind of, uh, all, all kind of sharing this, uh, you know, sh- shared, enjoyment of music and then it's kind of like a way to kind of you know associate with people and form form sort of an identity well i think with the progression of music to where you you go right now to the modern day where it's it's sort of this uh mostly relegated to this um pop music everything and it all sounds the same there's nothing really to like latch onto or kind of form a scene around particularly it's all kind of dominated by this uh kind of uh well you get you know what i'm saying where it's like that 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 is sort of not no longer the kind of um rallying point that it used to be it's, it's that's sort of been done away with and in, in its place you're seeing this um a, a way to rebel or a way to go against your parents, a way to go to form an identity and stuff is to go headlong in this transgender shit. And that, that is something that's referenced in that article that I read in the video that I did about the transgender hoax is that what, what it was referencing there is that, yeah, it's like kids are latching onto this like a, a way to re, you know rebel against their parents, a way to form their own identity and stuff like that. They go, "Oh, I'm not. I'm born in the wrong body." And then it's like all, all this kind of drama and attention can be uh, centered around this concept, this idea. And then you know, as impressionable as, as young people are, children are, it's like it's, it's something that's readily made to to feed into that natural sort of seeking of their own identity, their own independence that naturally occurs that's co-opted through things like, you know, you pointed out like how punk rock was a, it, it was a version of that. And, uh, yeah, I think now that the new punk rock is the, is the gender identity stuff. And, and there's probably different, I'm sure, you know, I'm not saying that like everybody is, you know, jumping into their, you know, having their genitals mutilated, but to but to latch on to it to one degree or another, like to go into like you know if if a, a boy dressing up like more feminine and stuff like that pisses parents off, uh, you know cause them to get all uptight and stuff like that. It's a great way to do that. From the natural inclination, I guess, like for teenagers to kind of be into that sort of stuff, or 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 at least be led into that. And that's the new thing. That's the, that's the new going thing now. It's like getting your ear pierced back in the 80s. 
Oh yeah, that's that's my parents. My mom was an earring. <laughs> yeah, and then I and then another thing that kind of backs that whole idea up is like the eighties hair bands. And like you look at them and they're all they're all done up like chicks, you know? Like the band Poison and the Glam Rock and the whole which, you know, kind of got kicked off, I think, with a popularity or limited popularity of the band uh uh, New York Dolls, and then that was all kind of you know that's directly direct lineage back to you know the 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 uh, abstract expressionist movement stuff and Andy Warhol and all that, and uh, how that how this has progressed along, and then yeah, as far back as then you see this gender reversal crap, but in the case with heavy, yeah, heavy metal and hair bands and all that, it was like okay. You're dressing up like a chick. You're poofing your hair out. You're wearing makeup and all this stuff. And it was kind of very. There was, you know, a spectrum. I guess. I guess that's a word to put on it. With with the bands, like some would be full blown, like the bands like Poison would have full blown makeup and all that stuff. And, and, and they had the cover of their album. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That might be a little bit before your time. But you, do you remember the no, band? That's not time. Yeah, I, I I bought that album when I was because that was the going thing. That was like hair metal and all that, and I was you know I was into that um, to an extent you know back in my high school days you know, and I I bought that out that first Poison album and on the cover what was the title of that album? I think it was like cat, oh look what look what the cat drug in that was the title of the album <laughs> and on the cover of the album it was like. It, they looked very extremely like feminine. They had like makeup, full blown makeup on eyeshadow, and their hair done up. You know the big '80s hair and all that. And but then at the same time, you're like, okay, these dudes fags or what the hell is going on? And uh, <laughs> yeah, especially in Oklahoma, you know, you get oh, you're listening to that fag shit, you know, and like and you know, so you get that. And then, um, but at the same time. Their whole presentation was about, you know, groupies and um, getting with all these, uh, you know, women and, ex, you know, it, and and all that was sort of the into their whole into the whole scene. You know, it was like a very weird uh, juxtaposition there between like what what would behavior will be sort of hyper masculine you know like getting with a lot of women scoring with a lot of women and at the same time dressed up like a in spandex with like dressed up like a chick you think about how bizarre that is and then uh, yeah that's how you piss your parents off you get into the metal and i i wasn't really i don't i don't remember anything any kind of motivation on my part to piss yeah i was raising a single household i don't know if my objective was to piss my mom off i don't know if she was even really uh, she was totally oblivious probably to a lot of it except for i had a guns and roses poster on my wall it was like they were sitting again there is a poster of them they were like uh leaned up against the wall and all of them had like a bottle of liquor and it was kind of like oh yeah they're you know rebellious hardcore dudes guns and roses and blah and I, i remember my mom one time making a comment about that you know like oh that's oh is that what you're into the yeah the bad scene the the drinking and all that i was like ah mom it's just guns and roses are cool blah 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 whatever but i yeah i don't recall but then 
Yeah, that's a uh, was something. That, yeah, me and my friends. I remember like uh, really heavily into that and into the metal and all that. And that was sort of like a a way to kind of uh, have this cohesive kind of identity, right? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. But um. there were some uh, paradoxes in uh, in my time in the '80s. So, like in my little small mountain school, they had the the people who listened to metal in the '80s. We called them just as general stoners, and I guess I was classified as a jock because I played baseball and basketball. So there's two different uh, identities. And I was in a small clique that I, uh, you know, talked about listening to New Wave early on, and I liked it because the I thought the, the girls, I, I liked it because of the girls that listened to it. Like, so I was enjoying the music because the feeling I got hanging out with the girls that enjoyed the music. So that was kind of like my weird psychobiology. So regardless, I liked New Wave. And it'd be funny for a guy like a stoner dude who'd be wearing like their typical avatar was like long hair, smelled like cigarettes and wore a jean jacket with a patch sewed on the back. And you'd have some guy wearing a, you know, um, uh, a, a patch of like Judas Priest walk by a guy who's in his. This isn't me. It's like maybe my friend Jason Moore, just to drop names. Well, they they'd walk by him, who was he was kind of into like new wave and stuff like that, and then they'd call him a fag, you know. And and they're wearing the jacket with like Judas Priest, Rob Helfer, who's like the most hyper homosexual dude ever. So like I didn't realize any of that stuff then. I like all these epiphanies started happening way after the fact that we had the they were you know like the big tough. Jocks were kind of, um, uh, they would sweat the big tough stoners and the big tough stoners wouldn't take any shit. So there was some like masculinity bumping and maybe a couple fights in the school. Nothing huge at all. No big rivalry. But again, they'd roll around like calling dudes that listen to Duran Duran fags. And Duran Duran's like getting supermodels wives while Rob Helford's like taking a fist in the ass. You know, so it's just a complete paradox now that we look back on it. The, yeah. the most masculine attempting avatar was like the ultra hyper gay avatar, you know, like it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, all those weird reversals or dichotomies or conundrums <laughs> or what have you within all that. Yeah, he's a full blown <laughs> homo with the with the like bondage gear on and all that crap. And uh Yeah. But yeah, you I, yeah, I listened to Judas Priest and stuff back then, and it was like I, I I had no clue that 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 was represented there. I didn't know nothing about any of that. And uh, but but yeah, you know, you get later on or whatever, you you, you figure out what that's associated with and all that. Um, it, you know, if you if you know you ever look into it and all that, it's like, but yeah, people are unaware of what's being represented. And then you get uh, the, the you know these uh, all these associations that are built up around it. Well, well, yeah, because it's like you got young dudes coming up and they're kind of formulating their identity and all that, and then they're associating themselves with just full blown homos, and uh, not even knowing it. Yeah, that's the thing about all this. Uh, 
cultural stuff. It's that uh, you just take most people just take it on its face and for what it is, and then say, uh, "Oh yeah, that's just the." peculiarities of different artists and that's all it amounts to and but then you know you, you come to the realization too and i think this is you know readily apparent uh because i you know i've always been into music and i've I've kind of uh i've i've been friends with you know different people that have have different levels of success in the music industry and all that and uh there's there's all these talented people out there is what I'm trying to say that will never get any kind of widespread recognition. And, you know, there's, there's ton, tons of different bands and stuff and people out there that, you know, they have, they, they, they have, you know, some degree of recognition and they, you know, they get some degree of success, but you know, they're, they're not going to make it to the top, so to speak, where they're not going to get widespread exposure on the level of like uh Katy Perry or one of those people. You know, they're not going to have ever achieve anything close to that. So what obviously there is a wide pool to pick from. So so there's uh, that that aspect of it where, you know, you come to the full awareness that, yeah, it's not really predicated upon talent or ability. So what else is it? You know, what, why do you see certain uh, acts or certain bands or something that are really heavily played up? And then you listen to their music and you're like, what is about this that's even in any way distinct? It's not. But then there's there's a reason why they have so much exposure and influence, you know, over young minds. And, of course, you know, you look at... Yeah, you look at Katy Perry videos and stuff, and it's like, and then how, like, you know, you have something like the transgender agenda, and and then she's going to be on Ellen, and she's going to be in full 100% support of all of that. And you keep in mind, too, that she has a great deal of influence as a culture creator, this Carrie, Katy Perry individual, and people... I think are quick to dismiss that as oh, that's just pop music. That's not much to look at in the way of cultural influence. Uh, I mean, oh, it certainly does, but you know, not to the extent that you, that that you're making it out to be. Because you know, but no, it's like I think that is uh, probably has more cultural influence and more sway over people's minds and how they develop their view of themselves coming up in the world and stuff than certainly a president. So they're, they're, they have, I think, more cultural influence than even a president does. Even though I think the president, the persona oh, yeah. that's put out there in front of people is primarily that. They're a celebrity. They're a cultural influencer of sorts. They're, they're not really running the... You think the you think Donald Trump's running the country, Nino? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, I think he's... I think he's running it well. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah. Where does, he find no. The, where does he find the time with all his his uh, time on the golf course? Uh, and philandering, too. You know, he's such a philanderer, you know. <laughs> all the pussy grabbing he's got to do and all that to maintain his image. I don't, yeah. He, yeah. 
<laughs> the uh, that stuff's hilarious. So you know, so this is I'm going to ask you this question. It kind of brings up genetically modified foods and the the modern gay topic. Did you know that Melissa Etheridge and her uh, femme dom had a had a baby, and I think they're pregnant again. Um, and David Crosby is the sperm donor for Melissa Etheridge's child. Did you know that? I never heard that. Are you serious? David Crosby. Yeah. David Crosby from the Van Cortland, Van Rensselaer, Van Schuyler bloodlines that Dave McGowan has talked extensively about. Yeah, they. Uh, he's the father of lesbian love child with uh, for Melissa Etheridge. I don't know how that works, but, you know, there's a turkey baster or something. Wow. So she's a lesbian, <laughs> and she has a yeah. David Crosby's child through artificial insemination, I guess? Yeah. yeah, whatever they, yeah, yeah, test tube or Petri dish or artificial insemination, whatever the technique is, yeah, that's the sperm donor was uh, David Crosby. And I think they're going for two if they don't, don't already have two with his... Um, with his uh, donation, but uh, yeah, so that that goes to the nepotism thing. Like nepotism is the 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 the, the web structure of all this weird shit. So these actors that you know we rattle off and musicians we rattle off, they're coming from somebody, you know. And that's my why I like Miles Mathis so much is he's doing the ancestry shit and. I kind of expanded into that stuff and everybody's not related to everybody. Cause I'm not related to anybody except for like this guy named Isaac in the 1700s out of North Carolina who grew tobacco. Yeah. So I'm the one that's missing out. You know, that's as far as I've traced it. I haven't gone to Germany and traced my roots, but you know, like you, you got, you got like grandchildren of president, uh, of presidents, I'm trying to think of his name, Arthur, Chester Arthur Gavin. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe it's President Chester Arthur, but his son is uh, Gavin Arthur, or his grandson is Gavin Arthur. He's, he has, he had a commune in California. He's friends with <laughs> um, Allen Ginsberg. He was having elite people come over to his commune and use drugs. I mean, he, that's the most fascinating part to me is that how they connect. It's not all, you know, just pumping out of the, the school systems that are indoctrinating ideologies and philosophies and spreading them around, which that's definitely funneled and owned by these families, but they're related. They're, they're freaking related. And, um, Miles Mathis had a guest writer on who broke down like, um, Ben Affleck and, um, Matt Damon and the way he did it was unique because he would he would bring up a guy a person and then he would be like all right so let's go these great grandparents spawned dot 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 a b c d e f g and then he'd add another guy and then he'd do the genealogy for there kind of spider out and then be like okay so these great grandparents spawned dot 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 and he's only going two generations back oh wow no i'm sorry i'm sorry who's this again 
Um, it's a guest writer on Miles Mathis. Um, I think oh. his name's Kevin. But a couple new papers he has a guest writer, and a lot. The, he's done three papers on Hollywood, and he's just connecting actors to actors to presidents to kings to everything. And the way he's doing it is really. Um, good in my opinion. I don't know a better word, but I mean, it's it's awesome to understand how it's not that everybody's related to everybody, you know, like because that's the that's the easy scientific throwout in, is empirically, mathematically, everybody came from the same start somewhere, you know. And it's like <laughs> I can't argue that, you know. I don't know who the first person came out of you know, like, you know, so uh based on that so you can go back a couple of generations and you'll be related to melissa etheridge is that what they're saying well, i don't think so i think i i no i think one thing i've read is if you go back 11 grandparents you should be related to everybody i don't believe that i've also read that everybody's related to constantine i believe everybody's related to um attila the hun I mean, <laughs> um, it's bullshit. It's bullshit, you know. Yeah, I I don't know what the uh, what the deal is on that. Um, I don't either, but I my my gut says it's bullshit. Well, what about the uh, idea that everybody on the movies or everybody that's a, a pop singer? Their their genders are the opposite of what they present themselves to be. <laughs> that, uh, not so Freemasons have been talking about that lately. That's pretty funny. Yeah, That's I know a, that. Pretty that, cool. Uh, yeah, you know, fakeologist has a whole whole. I think I think he set up a site or a, a separate blog dedicated to yeah. just that. And uh, I've. I I heard him talking about it on his last audio that he posted that a lot of people don't like his position on that, so that's why he kind of separated it off on a, a different blog. But uh, I, I I've talked about it a couple times before. Uh, I recently it was a couple of weeks ago. I looked at uh this dude uh, John Humanities uh, uh, YouTube. So he's going into all this, and there was one I was watching where he's breaking all of this stuff down but one one of the things that i thought was noteworthy is where he's showing all these different um uh pictures of a pre pre-operation post-operation where they're doing like facial surgery on on men to make them look like women and you know women make them look more like men and it was like wow that's it's quite astounding what can be done with surgery because it you know the in a lot of instances, the person looked totally different after surgery, and they did look a lot more female. Like before, there was like there's like these dudes that look absolutely nothing like female, and they go through this facial surgery where they're they they take the brow line, they do different things, and so this John Humanity guy is going into this kind of in depth, and he's saying, well, this is what can be done with surgery. But yeah, well, the thing about it is that. You go in to start, okay, okay, who's, you know, the, the so-called transvestigation where, oh, okay, who's a dude, who's a chick? I don't, I don't, I really don't buy into the idea that you know, everybody in Hollywood is switched. I don't, I don't think so. 
But then it's but but the problem with it too, I see too, is that um, you're, you're going into you know this set of criteria that is can it's really it lends itself to a high degree of subjectivity, I think, or in speculation. But uh, with that said, there was some ones there that was pointing out some stuff where I was like, holy crap, what is going on? I mean, I, I, I'm definitely not going to sit here and say there's nothing to it. Because I definitely do believe that there's there's plenty of transgenders out there that aren't identified as transgenders. I, I will say that that's most likely the case. But then on the other hand, too, it's like, okay, so how do you establish it with with a high degree of certainty? Is it even possible to do that with a regular degree of certainty i don't think it is especially with uh what the variability that's within legitimate females and the stuff that's out there you know it's it's i I think it's would be really difficult to pin down so what it what it comes down to is like you end up with a lot of speculative stuff but i will say though there was like some some of the stuff i watched were like uh, they they did uh, Cindy Crawford. You know who she is, right? Yeah, supermodel Richard Gere, blah blah blah. Right, and uh, so I was initially I was like, oh come on, you know that's can't be a dude. And then I was looking at it, and <laughs> I was like, damn, she does have some broad shoulders. And if you look at her now, <laughs> pictures of her now. She bears a very strong resemblance to Bruce Jenner done up as a chick. It is like, it's astounding. And then I was like, hey, there's those sites that, uh, like, totallylooklike.com where they have, like, two people side by side. This person looks totally like this. And they had Cindy Crawford with alongside uh, Bruce Jenner done up as a chick. And I was like, wow. Yeah, it's like, it is pretty startling and um yeah i don't know i really don't know i mean it's like you're taking somebody that's like like a pre-pubescent they haven't gone through puberty and you start hitting them hard with all those hormones and all that stuff and you get the and you're going in with the surgery and stuff you know kind of early on like what you know like i was i was talking about the before and after surgeries with um that's out there that, you know, on the internet, this Johnny Manny I was pointing out, like, uh, where there's like pretty striking difference, you know, before and after it's like, well, yeah. What if they go in, you know, they start this process early on, like with somebody who's not even gone through puberty yet and what can be done there? I mean, I, you know, so then, yeah, then again, too, it's like, um, like, uh, yeah, how much speculation you got to get into, but I, I don't know. I got Rich Destroyer. Hey. What's going on, man? What's up? Talking. Mason Mason has a guy on the radar now that might fit that bill, or a girl, sorry. Um, and it happens to be Brian Williams' daughter. Um, she's a actress. I think she's from Yale, but it's the, the liar Brian Williams daughter in this movie, get out. And he's got her on the radar as a possible man, um, in real life, but like totally closeted. There's no talk about it except for, you know, one of the movie sites saying that's a man, 
you know, maybe. <laughs> but that's that's somebody he's kind of babysitting for a while. His Brian Williams' daughter, mm-hmm. the actress, she's in a movie that's in theaters called Get Out. So that's one to watch. See if Ellen ends up being. Oh, I kinda... think I did see that on that uh, that video. One of those ones. I was looking at a couple of them. I think she was in there. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, he he watched the movie and he was like, "That's a freaking man." <laughs> he watched the movie and he doesn't really jump on a on a ship easily. You know, he's pretty pretty balanced. <laughs> that's a man. I would the have to say, I face, I yeah, I would have to say, yeah, that's a dude. Could could well be. I'm not saying pictures. for sure, but yeah, could well be. Yeah, yeah. You know, I looked at just the the. the Googler's option of pictures and there's like a picture of her in a bikini and I'm not I'm not debating it I'm just saying that's what I saw the pictures I saw looked highly feminine so I at least planted the idea that maybe it was just meant I don't even know like that's like some fifth level like psyop at that point but like if it's a chick dressing down to look like a chick dressing like a dude in a biracial mind control movie because the movie's straight about mind control too and yeah. um, I don't know, it's bizarre as shit, but he's like, he's kind of watching that one for us. Yeah, Mighty Ubris in the chat saying, Chris, uh, Sidney Crawford's a dude, that's like flat earth type stuff. And it's like, well, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that she's a dude. I'm just saying, look look at the pictures. Just look, just look at it. I, it's just, I would never think that either. But then again, too, it's like, I, yeah. I, how do I know? I don't know. I mean, yeah, Sidney Crawford, I mean, what whatever was done, it was I mean really well done. <clears throat> I mean, no doubt that as far as feminine, uh, you know, standards of beauty, it's like Cindy Crawford's pretty up there. But like, what, you know, well, she was was she with Richard Gere because Richard Gere's an outed like bestiality guy, you know, with the gerbil issue. She was. Yeah. yeah. Was that urban legend or is yeah, that so I mean, legit? I don't know. Oh, you know, I don't know. Does you know, he identify as fucking like, self-identify well, as a gerbil? I, I've heard that outside of Richard Gere. I mean, I've heard that as a thing, unless the whole idea is urban legend. But is, I don't know. I've heard that it's some weird thing that people do or some crap. Did he fully self-identify as a gerbil and he like he sleeps and uh, <laughs> wood chips and shit? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 gerb, the gerbil identified as a human. Actually, I think the story was it was it was a hamster that that didn't like being a hamster and and uh, you know changing it. It was in the middle of changing, you know, to be known as a gerbil. It was a yeah. Michael Bay flick, and it was an illegal hamster going through a tunnel to you know escape to across the border <laughs> for a better life. I made a documentary about it. Welfare. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what just happened is I got, uh, I got booted off. I hit the, I hit the time limit, I guess, on, uh, on talk shoe here where it just, it, so yeah, we went over time by an hour. Yeah. I got carried away there, but, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm going to have to, which I don't like to do this, I have to go back and edit out uh, the latter part of the call. Uh, so you you on there, Nino? 
Yeah, man, my phone died. Sorry about that. I heard it all the way up to the crescendo, and then I just had to plug you in and call you back. Oh, yeah, I just well, realized that, you know, we uh, we went, we were talking, and we went over, we went over time. I went actually way over time, kind of like an hour over, so, uh, yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, it was a good call, man, and thanks for calling in. Um, yeah, thanks for having the call. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rich, Richard's on here too. I guess, uh, yeah, he's he uh, he dropped off too. I think it it boots everybody off. But anyway, yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Nino. Oh. Thanks, Richard. And yeah, uh, yeah, man. And uh, uh, so who who else called in? Um, if I'm missing anybody. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, Need to wrap it up here. Yeah, check out uh, hoaxbusterscall.com, and I'll have this audio posted and then links to the chat. All the stuff activity is a pretty lively chat this evening. Um, and that's about it. We try to do this uh, Monday nights at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, I try to I try to do it regular. Sometimes I miss, but um, generally, if you have uh, signed up at talkshoe.com or there's a link to it at hoaxbusterscall.com, then you'll get notifications prior to the calls. If you want to join in the live call, you call in. Yeah, if you're one of those skeptic types that just absolutely despise my guts, and you've been venting out on the. Uh, uh, the reviews on iTunes and all that. Uh, call in the uh, you know you're you're a, a skeptic or something, and I'm absolutely full of shit. Yeah, call in and set me straight in the interest of science and defending science and def- def- defending true thought. And uh, yeah, you're more than welcome to uh, uphold your position of evolution theory or whatever it happens to be. And yeah, shut my dumb ass down with all your evidence. That's more than welcome here. Um, that is uh, Monday nights. You go to all the information on how to get in, get onto the call at hoaxbusterscall.com. Links at the top. There's links to the YouTube videos and all of that that I make reference to here. There's different polls of interest also at hoaxpresserscall.com, so check it out. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have a, an afternoon commute coming up. I, I'm not uh, John's situation is kind of uncertain. He's uh, he's out of work right now, and uh, so that's that's why there haven't been regular afternoon commutes. Uh, but hopefully we'll get one up soon and. Um, well, that's about it. Thanks, everybody, for coming out, checking out Hoaxbusters Call. Hope you all have a great week. Take care. Keep it between the ditches, and uh, talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hoaxbusters Call. You can subscribe to the podcast at hoaxbusterscall.com. support the Hoaxbusters call by rating it on iTunes, sharing it on social media, fire off a donation at hoaxbusterscall.com. 
conspicuous graffiti in public places. Hoaxbusters call. Conspiracy. Or just theory. Have any of your critics acknowledged that Darwinism is something akin to a secular religion? I had the honor to be the subject of a program at the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Science annual meeting in Boston in February of 1993. Michael Ruse gave a, a lecture on me, which uh, was intended to, to be, from its uh, abstract, a, uh, an exercise in what we might call Johnson bashing. Um, but uh, what he did was really very surprising. He, in fact, um, uh, confessed uh, that I was right on the main issue. The main issue is that what they call evolution, that is naturalistic evolution, metaphysical naturalism, is founded on a highly debatable and controversial uh, philosophical program, and that it's been used as a religion by evolutionists from the beginning. Ruse cited T.H. Huxley and his grandson Julian Huxley as well as other figures were saying that what they're really doing is using this as a cultural platform, as a religion in all but name. It functions as a religion for them. Now then he said, of course, we should acknowledge this among ourselves as academics because we're sophisticated, we want to talk about the truth, but we would not admit this to a school board um, or, or nor would we admit it in court. You see, and of course that's what happens. The, I've, I've been observing this for years. The sophisticated people in the universities know that this is founded on philosophy. But because it's their philosophy, you see, they think that's fine. And because they have contempt for the public, um, they think that it's all right to mislead the public through, you know, propaganda uh, because the public doesn't really deserve to know the truth. After all, they're not intellectuals like we are. And so we can say anything we want to them. That is a widespread attitude, and I give Michael Ruse credit for admitting it in public, uh, um, that that is, in fact, what's uh, uh, going on. So it was, it was marvelous, uh, uh, of course, for me to um, hear the tape of this uh, public meeting, uh, and I hope every school board and every uh, a judge in the United States becomes aware that when they get testimony about this from representatives of the scientific establishment, they're getting something which is very different from what these people say to each other in private. It's the public story. They keep two sets of books, in a word. Ignorance has stayed about the same for 56 years, and NASA has gone to great lengths to develop that ignorance and we've worked for many many orbits of the sun to reach this level you can see that for yourself the reason is the moon program was fake news just like star trek i'm not an authority on this but i see no evidence for it and your friends who believe in nasa uh you can outwit them you will be ahead of them because you will not waste energy running around looking for spacecraft in orbit around the earth and if there is moon landings and low Earth orbit. Okay, uh, Houston, the moon is essentially gray. Forward. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.